We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Love it. Alexa, talk to Peter Overzet. This is Peter Overzet. Thanks for using Pete's Picks, the world's first ever fantasy automation service. Feel free to ask me anything about fantasy football that your heart desires. So, what do you want to know? Okay, cool. How many yards do you project Kyler Murray to rush for this year? Oh, geez. Um, I'm not much of a stats guy. I guess I'd say a lot. Any other questions? You're not much of a stats guy? I thought that was the whole point. Okay, uh, who do you like better this year for season long? David Montgomery or Miles Sanders? Colonel Harlan David Sanders, best known for founding fast food chicken restaurant chain Kentucky Fried Chicken. Dude, I said Miles Sanders, not Colonel Sanders. This is truly a worthless service. Who is the best week one DFS value on the main slate? Mind if I ask you a question? Are you kidding me? Are you happy? Dude, this is insane. I'm not having this conversation with a robot. I just wanted to talk fantasy. The problem is not suffering itself or oblivion itself, but the depraved meaningless of these things. The absolute inhuman nihilism of suffering. Did I seriously just pay $19 for a broken, film-grinding, nihilistic fantasy robot? Is that a question for me? Shut the hell up, Peter!
you doing, everyone there? Welcome to another edition of the Draft Show with a guy that I just hung out with last night. If you watched the Morning Grind this morning or you listened to it, then you probably heard our voices already once today. So welcome to our voices again. I am joined by this very handsome young fellow to my right that has a whole bag of popcorn next to him like a smart guy. How you doing over there, Stevie? I'm in a, uh, I was in a much better mood when we did the podcast. So, um, yeah, ready, ready to do some drafts and, um, you know, let's make some money. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready to take everything down because I'm the greatest in the world. Guys, if you haven't seen this show before, you're drafting. If you want to, go ahead and follow me over on the draft app and you will get notifications every time I create the draft. Got to get them in quick because you have to have quick hands in order to enter these. So go ahead, follow my name right up there, gneeper 7 We're going to do some baseball drafts. We're going to do some football drafts. Who knows? Maybe we'll do a golf draft. I don't know. I don't care. I have no plans for this show except for to win a bunch of money. Stevie, you ready to get things rolling? Yeah. Um, let me open my phone back up. But yeah, ready, ready to go here. I forgot how to create drafts. I forgot. Oh, there it is. Nope. Nope. Forgot how to create drafts. There it is. Top left. Figured it out. We're going to start off with a baseball one. Do you want to do a stand? Yeah, we'll do standard. Talk about the whole slate here. Next, we'll do 10 people, 8 people. Ten's fine. There's 15 pitchers on the slate. 10 people it is. And I created now. Sorry, I probably should give you more warning. Let's see if you get in. And the first guy in fastest fingers in the West there, Stevie. We already talked about this slate once. I'm sure our view of it really hasn't changed too much. But on draft, what are you planning on doing? You going pitching first or are you going some of them Coors bats? I'm going hitters first and not necessarily cores. Like I'm going to, I have second pick here. So I'm going to get one of the high end bats and cores. And um, there's so many pitching options on the slate. We talked about it a lot already on the on the podcast, but there's a lot of, a um, lot of good pitchers on the slate. So I think you can wait at pitcher today and just load up on bats early. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's definitely, I mean, just look at right there. We have Verlander, Bueller, Castillo, Gilito, Corbin, right there at the top. Like, you end up with any of those. You're not really getting that much of an advantage from the other ones. I mean, granted, Verlander is the top option on the slate. Viewer's not too far behind him. But, like, there is some good pitch. I haven't seen a pitching slate like this with Coors on in a long time. It's looking real pretty. And I'm here stuck here with the 10th pick. So, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. I'm just going to wait and see what falls to me. Yeah, um, I, I think 10's okay. You know, I, I – think that you know having back-to-back pits um is certainly something that is interesting when you're looking at the slate as an overall um but i think i'd rather have the first or second pick here um i'm gonna devers is my favorite hitter on the slate it's not even that close like devers is just locked in at the plate he's getting a ballpark upgrade to cores like if i'm paying up for one guy um uh, it, it's devers for me is that that number one guy for me on the slate? Yeah, I don't mind that. And someone's saying I'm staying at a cheap hotel. I don't think Hyatt's a cheap hotel, is it? I don't think so. Yeah, Hyatt's a nice hotel. I got a notification. Staying at a Hyatt on Thursday night. Boom. Yeah, Hyatt's Hyatt's my go to go to hotel, and they're all they're all pretty darn nice. Verlander's still on the board at number six. This is interesting here. We got two, three Red Sox, and then two Rockies bets. I now need to entirely adjust my strategy, and I've got to know exactly what I'm doing now. But, yeah, this is 
this draft's going interesting Verlander, already. Verlander went seven. Um, I kind of agree with it. Like, I, I don't think I would have taken Verlander over any of the guys that went before him. Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, Verlander, you're getting an extra three points, whereas bats like a bomb is just worth so many, so many points here. Um, I'm doing so I did like Soto. I like that Soto pick at one eight. Um, I think I would have taken Soto before Verlander too, uh, with so many pitching options on the slate. Um, did you mean to take Olsen? Yes. All right. Got a little um I'm gonna call you out going for the Oakland stack here on this ten man. Yeah, very clearly going Chapman and Olsen. Um I don't know if I'm going for the full stack, it's just there's so much power there. I don't care. Olsen actually has pretty decent numbers versus lefties this year and Montgomery has been a little bit reverse splits, although that's not going to stay consistent there. Uh, so, yeah, using Olsen against a moderately low strikeout guy, especially versus lefties, it's a pit, it's a ballpark upgrade slightly, and Montgomery isn't good. Plus, we're going to get multiple innings of the bullpen, so I'm not really worried about a lefty-lefty matchup here. So, Olsen, Olsen and Jevin are the two guys I really want from that team, and I got them, so I'm happy. Yeah, you could you could potentially see what you saw on Monday, Ortega and Alex Gordon on the pitcher's mound. Like it was just I, I Yeah. The last thing you want to do when you don't have a lot of exposure to like an offense is see two position players come in late in the game and start pitching. Oh yeah. No, that's absolutely terrible when they're throwing oh gosh, there was a there was a pitching machine down at the FanDuel Live final uh this weekend or one of the ones that show your speed. Glad you weren't there because you would have shown me up real good. But, yeah, I did not have a good outing at all. I can't throw hard anymore. Like, it hurts so hard, like, so bad to just even try to throw. Like, my arm is still messed up. I didn't get surgery the last time because, honestly, I didn't want to have the urge of playing again. So, I'm trying to decide who I want here. I feel like as much as I like Hoskins, I think Freeman's the pick here on the road in Toronto. I, I like Hoskins a lot there too, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Freeman. Um, love Yelich at two nine. Like,
And we're back, guys. Sorry about that. That Devin fellow really fudged up there, but this draft is going through. We got some interesting teams here. Let's look at Stevie. He has Yelich, Devers, Freeman. That's not too bad there. And he rolls it out with Eaton. Not going with the stack there, Stevie. Bold move. Yeah, like my stack was kind of messed up when I took Devers first. Like I wasn't going to get a Boston stack. You know, Yelich was there, so I took Yelich, and at that point, I just – I know I'm not stacking, so I'm just taking guys in good spots. Um, you know, interested to see uh, – I'm kind of deciding which pitcher I want. Like, I like Hauser a lot today, um, but I don't know if I want to go Hauser or, or like a Caleb Smith. Um, trying to decide which which of those two guys I want here. Yeah, I think I'm still a bit on Smiley since last night. Um I need to look into it a little bit more, but I'm just trying to get off of Hauser. I mean, look at the implied totals. Not too much difference between Smiley and Hauser, and Smiley's going to come in at way less ownership. Do we have ownership out yet? I haven't checked it. Um... All right, yeah, we got Smiley at 14% and Hauser at 19%. That doesn't really make sense there. <laughs> got to mute himself and i'm like all right is he trying to tell us something <laughs> man like good thing this is the the 350 show um and not the flagship yeah oh devin devin this guy right been doing it for years and making these rookie <laughs> absolute rookie rookie move um all the sevens for the producer today for sure and it's not as bad as Dean, who still forgets he's muted half the time. What an old guy Dean is. What an old man. Can't even figure out how to turn his cell phone on mute. Dean, I'm calling you next show. Just to, just to fudge with you. So I will say, like, you know, one of the things that kind of stands out to me about Luis Castillo on top of, like, the discounted price is he gets a really good umpire as well. Um, so the umpire in Miami – plus the ballpark upgrade, plus facing the Marlins. Like, it's a recipe for Luis Castillo, you know, to have a big game today. Yeah. Um, do you want to do another baseball draft or you want to move to football? Uh, why don't we do one more baseball because we didn't really get to analyze the draft because Nashville Internet. Whew. All right, we're going to do hitter only. You ready? Yep. All right, three, two, one, create. Yeah, guys, sorry for all that analysis that you missed out. We were. We were talking some good stuff while we were down. Ooh Yeah, we were talking change-ups and, you know, sinkers and all that good stuff. Yeah. And popcorn, Skittles. How green apple has ruined the Skittles nowadays. Why would you replace lime with such an overpowering taste? It's ridiculous to me. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, for the person in chat, by the way, uh, Smokey CA, if you just click MLB and click all tools, it's right there. That, that's the easiest um, easiest way to explain it. So, um, yeah, you know, there's a new layout on the Roto-Grinders page today, and um, it takes some getting used to, but I like the I like it. It looks clean. Yeah, I haven't really looked at it too much. I'm going to look at it right now. I got the second pick. Do I pull Stevie, take Devers? That's who I would take. I'm not getting him at seven, so. Oh, man, this this update is way better. Yeah, it makes it easier. Uh, if you just hit where it says MLB, just, you know, it has everything right there. You know, results, DB, 
the bat, all that good stuff. Um, very easy to kind of navigate it. Oh, man, Simon. Simon gets this. Simon used to love the lime Skittles. Now he's probably angry about the green apple Skittles. Me and him talk candy fairly often. <laughs> What's your favorite candy? Not to go too sidetracked here, but we got 27 seconds before the draft starts. Um, honestly, it may be a Heath bar. All right, I can get behind that. I love Heath Bar and like ice cream and stuff. Like, like that's delicious. I'm a huge fan of toffee, like big fan of toffee. So Heath Bar is generally my go-to. And yeah, well, I don't know what's I yours. If my wife is still at the grocery store now. I want some ice cream. Yeah. All right, going <laughs> Devers. Good thing you're hosting and not me, because you'd get to read the conversation between my wife and I. Yeah, no, I, I thought about it. I'm like, oh, I should probably order food during this. And I'm like, wait, then I have to go on Postmates, and then they see last for my credit card number, where I'm exactly at, what I'm ordering, and how many times I've ordered Postmates in the last two weeks, and that's really not the smartest. Yeah, so choice gets it. He's king size Heath Bar, you get two of them. That's why I always used to only get Reese's when I could get a king size one, because you get double the amount. It's just just smart stuff. Here's some candy economics for you. Um, but, yeah, so you said you're going to house. Are you paying up for people who didn't listen to the morning grind last night? you paying up for Bueller or Verlander? No, I, I still like the Castillo Hauser for cash. That's probably where I'll end up. Um, I do like Smiley like you. I think he's an interesting pivot off of Hauser. You know, projected ownership is always really tough, and, you know, Jamino has a really tough job, and, you know, kind of, you know, it, it will update up until lock. But I think we see Hauser more 25 and Smiley more 10, um, you know, at, at when we start to see these ownerships in t- tournaments today. But if we're looking at it, Grant, like, it's interesting at the top. Like, Walker Bueller only projected for about 6% ownership. Lucas Giolito, around 1% ownership. Um, I know they're tougher matchups, but, like, Heaney, 8%. A uh, lot of ownership to Castillo and Darvish, which I like those two guys. Um, but a lot of ownership being focused around those two guys. Yeah, I mean, but ownership can only be spread so thin. If if Verlander's really going to only come in at 20%, I'll take it. If Bueller's only going to come in at 6%, I'll take that. Um, which side am I looking at? I'm looking at DK. So it's, it's definitely an interesting slate. So many people are going to want to play these Rockies bats. And, I mean, we talked about it last night. I think the play is to play some Rockies bats, but go with Rojas and Lamb there and get some real cheap guys go along with them. Yeah, like, so I decided I'm going to play three teams today. Um, and I was able to get everything that I kind of wanted. I uh, really like the Oakland uh, Oakland game. You know, you you stacked them in the first draft that we did. I really like that game. Um, and, and I really like the Washington Nationals, if you're looking for a team to get off of cores. And in a daily format, they're so expensive that I don't really expect them to be too popular here. But in this format, like, Washington's projected really high. Like, if we're looking at, you know, just Washington in general here, they're projected really high. So um I, I like it um and the, the other thing that we kind of talked about on the podcast last night was shark you know shark was a guy that was okay but his price was high his price is kind of down on Fanduel. um you know him and heaney kind of stand out to me on Fanduel in their price points like i would rather play samarja or, or heaney over like a houser on a Fanduel, where i would definitely rather play houser on, on DraftKings because of price yeah yeah no rather i haven't looked at I haven't looked at FanDuel too much, and everyone keeps snaking the stacks I'm about to do. So I'm just going for bombs in this draft pretty much. But, uh, 
Yeah, yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I mean, it's so pricing like is such a big thing. Pricing and ownership bigger on this slate than it is on most slates, just because we have so many aces where ownership's not just going to congregate completely on one. So kind of going with the lower owned guys, like taking Bueller if he is going to be six percent compared to Verlander's twenty percent. Bueller can just as easily put up a fifty point out. Like it can absolutely happen with Bueller against any team in the Padres are a much worse team than people realize, especially at home. So going with him, apparently I have a fantasy baseball draft tonight. That's going to be fun. Forgot about fantasy. that. Fantasy baseball or football? Football. I forgot what season we're on. Got baseball in my mind. Yeah. Gosh, I still hate the fact that I do season long. Like, but I've been in the same two leagues for like 10 years now. And so I just keep playing, and then it's just like, all right, this isn't worth it to me, but I'll keep doing it. Yeah, I'm not a huge season-long fan, but I, I really embrace, like, the whole, um, you know, best balls. Like, I, I've played a ton of best balls. I have over 100 done, probably closer to, like, 130, 140 at this point, but I, I like it a lot. Yeah, and like I've said multiple times before, like, I – I've went through and ran the numbers and there's a lot of volatility doing a bunch of them. Granted, I only did the best ball championships, which is pretty much all or nothing there. And like, I'd rather just roll all that equity I would have in best balls into weekly three mans and six mans and 10 mans over on draft. So I've done only like five so far this year. And I think I was at over a hundred last year. And I, mean, just, I do a lot of my I do a lot of my best balls like two or three weeks ago. Like I I do a lot of mine really early. Um, All star break, I jam in as much NFL research as I can, and I just start loading up on best balls. So I feel like, and I have zero Andrew Luck, which was fantastic. I only had one Lamar Miller team, so like I'm in. I feel like I'm in a pretty good place. Um, so it is what it is. You know, we'll we'll have to see. But I understand what you're saying too. Um, you know, I, I do think there's a nice edge when it comes to when it comes to. Sorry, chat made me laugh. Um, they said Dean plays with a lot of best balls. <laughs> that was good, good one, chat. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of edge to draft on in football season as well, um, especially early in the year. Like I, I like I like early in the year um, draft, and I like early in the week. Uh, I like doing my drafts really early in the week. You know. You know, you got the epic early week podcast, which I think you're bringing back this year. And you, know, you can listen to that and you can really start to do. Um, yeah. I mean, Dean's on it. So there's that. Ah, there's that. Oh, oh, oh there's always one bad thing about everything. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, honestly, I love doing that podcast because I look at things while football is going on on Monday night. And it's weird how many times like I set a lineup at the beginning of the week and then all the group think takes tries to take me away from it and i just leave it and it crushes at the draft party two years ago that was in nashville the line i set lineup i set up on monday night would have won the millie maker yeah it's amazing like you know i'll do 20 to 100 teams by hand you know by the end of the week um and usually the teams that I do after I do the morning grind football podcast on Thursdays are, are usually my best teams because I, I'm just, that's, I'm as fresh as I, I am in research and, you know, you listen to so much stuff and you, you just get different opinions about stuff that sometimes it, it hurts you in, in the long run. But 
Um, yeah, I, I like football. I can't wait for football to be back. But, um, you know, this draft, this draft we just did was interesting, Grant. Like, hitters only draft, um, depending on where you picked, was interesting. Yeah, no, I'm not a big fan of my team. I have five batters from five different teams. You got yourself a nice little 3-2 stack here with Yelich, Grandal, and then three Red Sox. That's a beautiful team. Hopefully, Benintendi and Moreland are in the lineups, but I assume they will be. But yeah, I'm ready to do a best ball draft. We've got talking about it. I'm ready. Ready for it? Fast. Do a, do a fast one and, you know, get some chat people in here and let's get this thing going. Uh, you want to do eight or ten? I think we have time for a ten, man. If not, then. I'm down for either one. Either way. I think we'll ten. Do nine man. A... We're doing a nine-man draft. I raise three, two, one, create. Boom. All right, let's get it popping here. Hopefully, you know, did you did it fast, right? So 30 seconds will be the thing should be yeah. moving pretty quick. Oh, the third pick. Boom. Beautiful. I, I really hate anywhere from like seven to nine in best balls. I think it'd be a little different with only a nine man draft, but I hate having the eighth pick. Never get a team that I like when I do these. Yeah. Yeah, I'm generally happy. Like top three is where I'm happy. Four and five, I'm not very happy. Actually, anything after three, I'm not happy unless I get, like, the 10th pick and I have the wraparound just because it's easier for me and I don't have to pay as much attention. But, like, I want Barkley, McCaffrey, or Kamara. It's it's that simple. I want one of those three, and I'm happy. Who we got in this? Playmaker, me and Mr. Mode, Team Tuca, Flores. You know, we got some people. We got some faces I've seen before. We got two guys with no badges. Guys, you got to step up your game. Laura, step up your game. Just do 100 drafts. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Like, so when you're doing best balls, like, I know you haven't done a ton of them, but I really like the the one through, like, four. Like, I know if I'm getting Barkley, Kamara, McCaffrey, or Johnson, I feel really good about my drafts. Like, I know I'm, I'm, I'm solid. But, you know, I think the strategy changes where you're picking. Um, whether you go wide receiver early or quarterback or running back early. I have not been taking, like, I don't have a lot of Kelsey. I, I don't, I don't take tight ends really early. I think there's some really good low end tight ends that if you're stacking three tight ends, I think it's different. Yeah. I mean, it's always interesting going with high end tight ends and even going with two high end tight ends. Like, honestly, I don't hate the strategy of getting like Kelsey and Ertz or Kelsey and some in Kittle, like, going to guys because you can throw them in your flex spot. Like generally when I do that, I go a little bit less heavy on wide receivers and I go a little bit heavier on getting some good running backs. And like you can get them in the flex spot at any given time. Rarely ever will you have a tight end put up 20 points and you won't be using them in your flex spot. So getting two tight ends, you're basically guaranteed a good score in your tight end spot and most likely your flex spot almost every single time. And now I'm thinking about doing that. There you go. Well, Kelsey's probably not getting back to me. Yeah, I was thinking about taking Kelsey here, but um, I think I'm going to go with Michael Thomas. I, I like the the combo of Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams as my top two picks here. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's not. I know mean, you've got wide receivers just locked up. I don't know who's going to get to me, but I'm probably taking Julio Jones or a running back. Yeah, separate, separate, you know, bye weeks for my top two picks. I like to really separate my bye weeks and my first four or five picks. I feel like those are your floor, quote unquote, floor picks. Um, and, and like, 
I think that's the biggest edge in best balls is just roster construction, to be honest, because honestly, your first two picks, your first three picks, like all those guys are projected around the same amount of points. So just making sure you spread out your bye weeks is the biggest edge to me when it comes to roster construction for, you know, your, your, your floor type players. Yeah. And yeah, no, it's not a bad move or you can just be dumb like me and just lock in three running backs in your first three picks. I don't think that's dumb by any means. Like, you know, I, I don't like the fact that two of your guys have the same bye week, you know, your first three picks, but getting three top end, you know, running backs, I don't think is ever a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, realistically, all you're doing, if you get two running backs for the same bye week, all you're really doing during that bye week is you're sacrificing six to eight points. And that's not realistically that much in the grand scheme of things. You're going to get six to eight points less with your RB4. And the rest of the weeks, you're going to have guys in your third running back, most likely in the flex spot, puts up a decent game. And then you get just get high variance wide receivers. The rest of your picks, guys that can go for 80-yard touchdowns at any given time. And you lock in the guaranteed points with your running back and flex spots outside of that one week. And then you have high variance wide receivers that two or three of them are probably going to put up 12 to 20 points in any given matchup. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I think it's also different when you're doing best balls in like a cash format over best balls in the championship. You're stacking so much in the championships where, you know, I think in best ball in cash games, you're just you're trying to optimize your your floor. I actually like where I'm at with my four picks here. I got two high end running backs. I got two high end wide receivers um, and I'm on all four different bye weeks. Like I like the start of this team for sure. Yeah, let's go over and look at yours. You got. Oh, that's not yours. You got Carrion Johnson, Williams, Thomas, Adams. Yeah, that's a good-looking team right there. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, you don't get that in 12-mans. I'll be honest. Like, I, I probably don't have that combo anywhere in a 12-man. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Who do I go with here? Do I go with Mr. Ty Hilton or Amari Cooper? I, I think that – you know, for the most part, I'm taking Cooper in that spot just because we don't know what's going on with Zeke. We know that, you know, you have to trust that, you know, we could potentially see Dallas throwing a little bit more this season. So I think Cooper could be a really good high-end wide receiver one. Um, I do like T.Y. Hilton still. I, I think this is going to be a, a completely different Brissett than when we saw the last time. This is a much better team than we saw last time when Brissett and, you know, he got some more games where, you know, being a backup to Andrew Luck and getting, you know, to work with Andrew Luck, I think is huge. So uh, I do like T.Y. Hilton. And I think he's falling too far. Like you're getting a nice value on T.Y. Hilton. And like, you know, you're potentially getting both of them now. Um, yep. really have, didn't really have to make the decision. So that's, a, that's always good. That, that was kind of my plan. I know I was taking five picks later. People are scared off from the Andrew Luck news. But realistically, T.Y. Hilton's a good enough wide receiver and a quick enough guy that can do enough in the open field where he can go off in any given game. And so where I talked about my strategy, how I got three top tier running backs. And so now I want guys that could go off for massive games. We see it from T Y Hilton four times a year, generally where I'll have a 25, 30 point game. We see it from Cooper where he always has a 40 point game. Yes. I get he has plantar fasciitis, but that'll probably be fixed up eventually. So I got two guys that can each go for 40 points here in any given matchup. And now all I have to do is get the high more some more high variance wide receivers as the draft goes along. Yeah. T Y Hilton, you know, anytime he's at home on turf, like he's a, he's a dangerous threat and the upside is always there with him. And 
I think it hurt Mac more than it hurt T.Y. Hilton, to be honest. It, it's interesting. Like, I would say that Gingra said in there, the guy can run a little bit, but he probably can't even run as much as Luck can. Like, Luck was a mobile quarterback. Granted, he probably was trying to stay away from that a little bit more last year because of his injuries. Um, but, like, they can't entirely stack the box, I think, still. Colts have a good offensive line. I think they could come potentially more run heavy with Brissett in there instead of Luck. And they might be airing it out a little bit more. Um, if I remember correctly, they're, most of their plays were fairly quick. Brissett's not a bad quarterback, and, but he can bomb it down the field. So I'm not going to be surprised at all if this helps out Mac because he can air, Brissett can air it out more than Luck could for most of last year. Yeah. Um... I don't expect the Colts to be too bad, to be honest. So um, they're a team that I think is very interesting week one because a lot of the pricing came out um, before. And, like, Brissett's actually really kind of interesting for week one for me. So see how it plays out. I'm really not happy with myself right here because you know who I'm going to take if he doesn't get taken. Melvin Gordon. You have to take him in the sixth round. Um <laughs> Uh, you know, he's just at that point, like Melvin Gordon, if he plays 10 games this season, is a much better pick than a six round pick. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like I really need him that much. I got Hook, I got Mixon, I got Kamara, and now I've got Gordon. So my upside at running back every given week is just through the roof now. And nah. Now I just got to go real heavy on wide receivers, just get the two quarterbacks I like at the end of the draft and hopefully get some high upside tight ends. Yeah, like Brissett, I, I just kind of was interested. Like he's 4,400 on DraftKings week one against the Chargers. And I know the Chargers defense is solid, but we know there's going to be a bunch of points scored in that game. So, so I mean, Chargers defense is solid, but they can still give up points in any given game. Um they're more ball hawks than anything, trying to go for fumbles, sacks, and interceptions. They have a good all-around defense. Losing uh, Darwin for a bit is not optimal. He was a guy that could turn the ball over very quickly. But, like, yeah, they, they force a lot of turnovers in every single game they have for seasons. It's kind of how they play. They're willing to give up occasional big plays. Uh, but, like – Points will be scored against them. They're just relying on turnover differential to really be a huge upside for them. So people think of them as being one of the top defenses in the league, but they are one of the top defenses in the league, but they're not that good at uh, run prevent, not run prevention, scoring prevention. So we had a question in chat. Like, do you have any NFL hot takes? Ah, gosh. Chargers win the Super Bowl. I think that's a hot take. I mean, I've said it two years in a row now, and I was close last year. Yeah, is the hot take Patriots win again? <laughs> I don't think that's a hot take. Uh, Gronk signs before the playoffs, like. Oh, I can go. With, I can go with my other hot take. This is the year Tom Brady finally falls off, which I've been saying for three years in a row now. One of these days, I keep having to say it over and over again. Waiting for it to happen. It's eventually going to happen, right? Yeah. Oh, it's going to take Josh Gordon there. Good pick. Um, I like that pick. That's who I was going with. I was hoping that I could get, he would get to me. I love that guy. Love that guy so much. 
Josh Gordon just helps that whole offense in general. Like he just, he opens up everything. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's just such a good wide receiver. He was out of the NFL for so many years. He wasn't in the system for the majority of the year. So they weren't using him right over in Cleveland. Like now he's going to have a full or half a year under the Patriots system. They're going to know how to use him. They're less worried about him and they'll incorporate him a whole lot more. I mean, Josh Gordon, we say this every year that he's in the league. He could be the best wide receiver in the league. Like, he's one of the most talented guys in the league easily. We'll see what happens, but it's going to be interesting. I'd love to see him just crush, and hopefully he does. So I have a week one hot take. Um, I don't even know if it's really a hot take, but I think Dalvin Cook goes for 200-plus and two touchdowns in week one. Like, I, I he's probably my one of my favorite plays in week one, so – there you go. Yeah, well, I, don't, I don't even know if it's a hot take. Yeah, well, I've got him on my best ball team. There you go. Boom. Problem is, if he goes with 200 yards rushing but doesn't get a touchdown, then he still might not even make it into my top lineup. I said two touchdowns on top of the 200 yards. Yeah, I know. I was just saying, if he gets 20 points, that might not be top three for my running backs. Yeah, I started my week one research um, yesterday. And you know, starting to get ready for the expert survey and all that stuff, and yeah, I, I just Dalvin Cook really, really standing out to me. Um, early, early, early research. And I'm really liking my team. I should probably get a tight end though. Yeah, I was thinking that I need a tight end here too. Um, I know a guy that I really want with my next pick. I'm hoping that kind of falls to me here. He's on the board um, as best available ish. So, see how see how it works out. Yeah, people talk about Dalvin Cook and how he, like, wasn't that great last year, like, to justify him being one of the top guys this year. But you got to realize, it was ACL surgery, right? Yeah, he was, still wasn't 100%. Yeah, people automatically it, – it's a complete misconception that people automatically heal from ACL surgery in one year because AP did it in nine months. But – that's not the case for most people. Like, it can still happens a lot more often than it used to. But certain people can take well over a year in order to get their ACL back in full shape and get their knees healthy and not overcorrecting whenever they cut. Because whenever you – I don't know if you've had any injury. I haven't. But, like, the only reason that you're going to be further down is because you don't entirely trust that knee. Your mind psychologically says to keep away from that knee. That's why more people are – people who tear their ACL – are way more likely to tear their other ACL. Again, they're not as likely to tear the same ACL, but they'll tear the other one because they're overcorrecting when they cut. So it takes a little while for you to psychologically get that through your head and get back to normal. So this could be a big old year for Dalvin Cook. Yep. So what's crazy is I just said that I don't really stack a lot in cash games. This this team that I've built is like a perfect best ball championship team. Like the $25 best ball championship is still available. Um, you can still get seats into that. We still have our best ball package here at Rotor Grinders. Like, you know, I, I think it's an awesome tournament, you know, $25 into a million bucks. You know, obviously you're going to have to hit the nuts, but like this would be a team that I would absolutely love in the best ball championship. You know, I got a full green Bay stack. I got a Kansas city potential stack here with Williams and Watkins. Like this would be a great tournament team. Yeah. I'm trying to find yours. Scrolling. There you are. Yeah. 
Look at you with two guys on the same bye week and 12. Oh, my wide receivers are a mess. You're right. Yeah, 11 and 12. You're, you're, you're not sitting pretty there. Yeah, I got some guys late in the draft, and I always take seven wide receivers. So I got some guys late in the draft. I'm going to get two of those guys that I like late in the draft, separate bye weeks, um, and just hope that – like I could see weeks of Adams and Scantling both being two of my top three wide receivers because I think Green Bay is my favorite stack in best balls this year. Like they're – there's a stack. I hate drafting quarterbacks early, but when I can get a Green Bay stack and I can get my boy Aaron Rodgers, like I think Aaron Rodgers is going to come out and remind us this year that like he's the best. Yeah, yeah maybe. Well, I mean, people forget that last year he had a little bit of an off year, but he nearly broke his leg in week one. We thought he was going to be done. Was it? Might have been week. No, I think it was week one. Um, yeah, nearly broke his leg, and like people forget that. Who do I want to go with here? I should have been more yeah, prepared. Injuries, there was a lot of injuries last year, um, just in general. And, you know, obviously that happens a lot. But I, I think that, you know, I think that we're going to see a, a much better Green Bay team this year. I think we see a much better um, Tampa Bay team, too. I know you just took Winston. Yeah, well, I don't like him. He's not as good as Ryan Fitzpatrick, but that offense is going to gonna be airing the ball out a whole lot. Yeah, so coming up here on my next pick, um, there's some interesting options still available here. Um, I'm trying I'm just trying to wait for the delay to kick in, so the pick before mine. So I kind of – I think I'm going to go with uh, Drew Brees here and get both my quarterbacks my, matched up with my wide receivers. Um, I feel like I'm building a tournament team here. Yeah. Playing for the win in this this best ball, Grant. No no second place. Um, always play for the win. I'm going for that 20.25 cent um, first place prize in this one. Yeah, buddy. That yeah, was my no. problem. I did so many best ball championships and high buy and stuff that I ended up getting like five bucks back because everything was tournament best ball. And I just – I went David Johnson with my first overall pick and all. So that tells you how it goes. See, I didn't really want Marvin Jones, but the fact that Marvin Jones just keeps falling and he's not on a bye week of my wide receivers, I was going to go tight end there, but it's hard to pass on Marvin Jones in that spot. Yeah. Um, and no Ben Attendee for the Red Sox today. He's out of the lineup. Well, that is unfortunate. I just got the notification that I can swap out my guy. <laughs> is. And JD's in the outfield. So keep in mind, guys, uh, JD in the outfield is not going to – is going to help out the Rockies' offense. Just remember that. It's a big outfield, great for doubles and triples, and JD's not a very good outfielder. Yeah. He – especially with that big ballpark, too. But do yeah, they really, like – I guess maybe they pinch run for him in the ninth or the eighth if they have an opportunity, but they're not pinch hitting for JD. Maybe a defensive placement late in the game. Yeah. It's not like JD didn't play outfield. He, he's played outfield his whole career. It's just he's not a better outfielder than Ben Attendi and, you know, those guys. He's not what you call a good outfielder. Nope. 
trying to find out. Like, I usually only take five running backs in these things, so I'm trying to decide which running back I want. And there's a couple guys that are a little interesting here. Your computer needs to be charged, Grant. No, uh, Stinger Sparks Taylor Swift rumors. Ooh, Ooh. Taylor Swift. Aaron Demi have bad blood. That makes things tough for me. Bad blood? That sounds like a song of hers. Someone asked me if I'm stacking in any cores. Of course I'm stacking cores. I don't know how I, I might be under the field, but I am definitely stacking some cores. Yeah, I like the Boston side of that game a lot more. Rico, not great. He struggled in AAA with home runs. Like, and he, his first start in the majors is he's facing the Boston Red Sox in cores. Like, could be a worse start for him. I mean, we've seen Freddie Peralta go into cores and shut down some guys in his first start of his career. Yeah, I guess it can happen, but anything can happen in baseball. That's the crazy thing about baseball. I'm trying to decide which running back I want here. I'm probably not going to take Lamar Miller here, Grant. I think that's probably a bad decision. I think I'm going to go with Jalen Samuels. He has a lot of upside if Connor had an injury. I was reading something the other day that said that they might use Samuels in the slot a little bit too. Yeah. It was between him and Peyton Barber, and I think they're pretty much the same. Yeah. Barber does have some upside. I need a tight end. That's what I need here. What round are we in? 14, so it's looking like one quarterback at least. This is going to be interesting. Take old man Delaney. Yeah. That team could be really terrible this year, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely good. It's They really haven't been that good the last few years. They've made the playoffs, but they haven't been that great. They're really interesting week one because they're playing Cleveland and they're probably going to be playing catch-up. So, you know, it's certainly a team and, you know, a lot of their wide receivers are cheap. Um, from what I would, from what I was looking at yesterday, Tennessee – um, wide receivers kind of stand out, and I think they were all under like 5K or something. Honestly, uh, I'll, I'll give him a hot take. Adam Humphreys is a top 20 PPR wide receiver this season. All right. That's a hot take. That's a very hot take, I feel like. I don't know if I'd go scorching, but I feel like it's a hot take. I mean, people aren't going to use him that much. Not that expensive. Oh gosh, who do I go here? I like I like Williams. Yeah, guy like like I said, I need guys that can go for big games. I have three running backs that are three of the top running backs, and I have Melvin Gordon, uh, Kareem Hunt, who, barring the other three guys not getting injured, have huge upside in any given game. Especially if Chubb somehow gets injured, then Hunt and Melvin Gordon actually signs, then I'm pretty much locked into 30 points from my two running back slots and my flex spot every single week. And so now I'm just going for all guys that can have huge games, which every one of my guys had a 25-point game at least once last year. 
You know, uh, somebody in chat just said, oh, it was Landa, my favorite chat person, Landa, uh, 501. No reason to draft Samuels in a point five. There's plenty of reason to draft Samuels as a, a running back five in a point five league, um, in my opinion. So at that point, you're you're potentially taking a backup running back. So, you know, I, I think that point five, point one, whatever, you're you're not getting any value unless the the running back ahead of him gets injured. Um so I have no issues with taking him there. Yeah, someone said Hunt is suspended. He's suspended for eight weeks. And I have Dalvin Cook, Mixon, and Kamara to make up for him. I have two guys that potentially might not play the first eight weeks, or one that for sure won't, one might not. But after that, running back's so volatile, any one of my other three running backs can get hurt. And so getting guys that could potentially come in when either of the other guys get hurt and take over for him getting one in the sixth round and getting one in the 14th round, they can have big outings if anything happens to other, my other three running backs. And I don't think – when is Cleveland's bye week? We probably should have looked at that too. Seven. So that's the problem yeah, there. Seven. He comes back week eight. He comes back week eight or he comes back week nine? Maybe it's week nine. Actually, it doesn't matter. So I have two guys on buys on week nine and week 12. So having Kareem Hunt in there, it's a perfect upside play that is going to – I'm going to probably need him in those weeks. So I basically just added him as a high upside option where all I need him for is week nine and week 12. That's all I need him for. He'll be back then. So it's a perfect strategy to get – if you have two bye weeks or two guys with bye weeks at a single position like I do, get a guy that like Kareem Hunt that is going to start playing right when that happens. Oh, and yeah, uh, chat, 0-8. Well, you can't be 0-8. It's best ball. You know, it's accumulated points throughout the season. It's not – you don't play a head-to-head matchup. So, we're not doing season-long head-to-head leagues. We're doing best okay, ball where you're trying to score. From there. What's that? Yeah, really? I stole Tate and Humphreys from you. Those are my two picks. It's because you just talked about Humphreys. You wanted him. Oh, I knew I talked about Humphreys, but I'm like, all right, that makes sense. But then they stole Tate for me. I'm just, I'm just taking this guy because I'm a Seahawks fan. Yeah, guy could have potential to score so many touchdowns with his size. Yeah, and in best ball, you just literally, if a guy gets seven points in any given matchup, that doesn't matter at all. You want a guy getting 15 points in any matchup because. Seven points isn't going to do anything for you. Yep. How are my bye weeks looking? I'm pretty spread out with bye weeks outside of running back, but I've got Melvin Gordon and Kareem Hunt to take care of that. Yeah, it's so different uh, doing a, a nine-man over, like, a 12-man. You know, your lineup just looks so much better when you're doing it this way. So, going to see here. I think I, I know – I want Harry as my last wide receiver. Um I do think he has upside even with Jordan or Josh Gordon coming back. He looked a lot better. I was reading a report today. He looked a lot better in practice um, health-wise. So I have so much Harry in best balls. I, I don't think I, this is the first time I think I've gotten him in the 17th round, though. Yeah. So now I just need another quarterback, and that's my that's my normal roster construction, 3-5-7-3 three, three, um, is what I've been doing a lot in cash games. Yeah, I'm going – who did I get? Yeah, I, I generally just do two quarterbacks because in 10 mans, there's enough good guys at the bottom that have enough upside. But 
I don't know. Do I want to go tight end or do I want to go quarterback here? Mm, I I just I like the floor of quarterbacks, but um, you know you have Winston and Allen. You have two potential running quarterbacks, so concussions and all injuries. Like I would probably yeah. go quarterback. Yeah, you got to think like one random wide receiver in the 18th round or tight end or running back probably only going to net you 10 points. Or potentially, if you have a got one of your quarterbacks injured on the other one's bye week, that's mm. an automatic 20 point downshift. Plus, on any random week where he outscores them by about seven points, uh, people last year were trying to talk me out of getting three quarterbacks. And I always yeah. take three quarterbacks. It was a strategy I used a lot last year. Same roster construction I used last year, and I had a really good year. So, um, no, Miami is not super bound, bowl bound this year. That team's terrible. They have the best quarterback in the league, though. Quarterbacks win championships. Fitzpatrick, man. I love me some Fitzmagic, but I, I hope they lose every game and we get Tula. No one loves Fitzmagic like I do, except for maybe his 23 kids. I have three Fitzmagic shirts from three different teams. I don't know. We could, we could have that potential of argument. That's fair. I used to have, what was it? One, two, three. I think I had three or four Favre jerseys. I think I had an Atlanta one, a Green Bay one, a Minnesota one, and a New York one, which the Atlanta one just made me laugh. Man, I I really wish Landa the best of luck in his in his life. I hope he absolutely crushes DFS. Some of the stuff he says in chat really is interesting. I don't understand. So let's just talk a little bit of best ball strategy and why you go with more wide receivers than running backs. So the basic concept behind it is in best ball, you have your best scores from each guy and you get one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, a flex and a tight end. So the thing with drafting that many running backs, yes, it's a super fragile position and they could get injured. So it's best to have at least some guys getting there, but Wide receivers are so volatile in how many points they get on a week-in, week-out basis and have potential for higher ceilings because they can break off an 80-yard catch way easier than a running back and break off an 80-yard run. So going with wide receivers where you can use them in the flex, you have a guaranteed three guys getting points every single week in the three wide receiver slots compared to the two running backs and possibly the flex spot. You have more volatility with position and you have more spots to throw the position in. So going with the same amount of running backs, likely most of your running backs are going to be within a couple points of each other, but certain wide receivers are only going to have four to five points, while other ones are going to have 25 points. So you get a drastic amount more points by having more wide receiver depth compared to having more running back depth. I also think it matters where you're taking your running backs. Like if you're taking your running backs earlier, you're, you're locking in two, three really solid running backs in general. So only needing two, potentially using one as a flex, you don't want to start loading up on six or seven running backs if you have four or five really strong running backs. And, you know, I would rather have the floor of, of knowing that I have somebody playing a tight end and somebody playing a quarterback if I have injuries because we have bye weeks. So I do the best I can to make sure that I don't have a, a quarterback or a tight end with the same bye week because I'm drafting only three of those guys compared to seven wide receivers and you know making sure that every week I have points coming from quarterback it's the highest scoring position most weeks 
And well, the one position, I guess, you know, if you're playing two running backs and three wide receivers, the wide receivers are going to score the most points typically. But when I'm trying to get 20 points a week from a quarterback position, I need to have somebody there because if I'm giving up 20 points a week, because let's say two of my guys got hurt and I miss one week where I have a bye week and you know, then they're hurt. Like if you miss two or three weeks with your quarterbacks, probably not cashing. Yeah, you're probably just done for at that point. I mean, like you mentioned, I have three great running backs, and then I have two guys that may not play much this entire season. Melvin Gordon might not play at all. Kareem Hunt isn't is for sure not playing the first eight weeks. But I have three other great guys, and I only have two spots plus potentially the flex slot. And every single one of my wide receivers has potential for 30 points in any given game. So, yeah. Um, I don't think we have time for another draft, so we're probably just going to get out of here early. That work for you? Yeah, and just, you know, one more thing. Like, again, roster construction and best balls is very important. I got crushed the first year best balls came out on draft because I didn't understand that. Last year, I made money by just roster construction being the main key. So I just wanted to hammer that home one more time. Just pay attention to your bye weeks and, and pay attention to your roster construction because that's where the edge is. Yep, yep, plus always stacking in best ball championships where it's pretty much all or nothing. It's always a smart move, but it's been fun, Stevie. I've had a good time seeing you. I'll see you again later tonight in the morning grind. So, guys, good luck on your contest tonight. We're out of here. See you, kids. Welcome to another edition of the Monkey Knife Fight Show here on Roto Grinders. I am Turk Ferguson. I'm bringing you some of my favorite props over on Monkey Knife Fight. If you haven't signed up for it yet, making bad life choices, sign up using promo code Grinders. Get a free 100% deposit bonus on your first $50. That's free money. All you got to do is play through it, and it is yours. And you don't even have to do any research. All you got to just watch these videos multiple times a week, throw on these props, and let the money roll in on a nice little hot streak right now. 21 and 6 this month, so let's keep it going. I got four picks for you today. Two from the Houston game, two to the Dodgers game. So stay tuned. All right, let's get to my first prop here. It's a two out of three rapid fire in the Houston game. All right, so we have Verlander versus Morton. Are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. Verlander is the much better pitcher, able to go later into the game, suppress runs better, have a much lower run total than Morton does. This is absolutely ridiculous, and he's getting the tiebreaker. Going up against the Rays that strike out at a decent clip and are not nearly the same lineup as Houston is. Morton's a very good pitcher, but not going to go as late in the game as Verlander is. Not going to score as many points. You're getting the tiebreaker. This is an absolute lock and load. He should win this 8 out of 10 times. Next up, Altuve versus Bregman. 
Same matchup going against Morton. This is essentially toss-up, but Altuve is getting the tiebreaker. Morton is a very good pitcher, so it's not going to surprise me if neither of these guys end up with a hit, a walk, anything like that. They could end up getting shut out in this matchup in all reality here. But in any case, Altuve getting the tiebreaker makes him the obvious play last up. Brantley versus Pham. Verlander, yes, he does give up bombs, but he doesn't give up a whole lot of hits. So Pham probably going to end up with zero points. Brantley very well could do well. He's going up against a high K-rate pitcher, but Brantley only strikes out at an 8% clip versus righties. Ridiculous low. He's actually going to be putting the ball in play. Decent shot at a hit. Decent shot at a bomb. Decent shot at some anything, any type of points. And Pham probably not going to end up with anything but a zero here. So you take Brantley and you move on. He's getting the tiebreaker. He's the better play. Just all around a better spot for Brantley. All right, next, let's get to my second prop here. It is a two out of three over under in the same game. All right, so we have Verlander over under 8.5 Ks. He's had 10 plus Ks in seven straight. Vegas odds currently have him as a slight favorite to get the under instead of the over. I don't care. I'm going against it. 10 Ks in seven straight is enough to convince me here. All he needs is nine. He's going up against a decent K rate lineup in the rates. They have a decent amount of lefties in their lineup. Verlander, a bit reverse splitsy when it comes to strikeouts with a 38% K rate versus lefties. So I'm rolling with the over. Next up, Morton over under 6.5 Ks. The Astros do not strike out. They have so many bats in their lineup that strike out at a ridiculously low clip. One of the best teams in the league at not striking out. Morton may have a 30% K rate, but he's probably not going to go that late in the game. Could end up getting beat up a little bit. And this is just a tough matchup here. You take the under. Last up, we have Bregman over under 1.5 hits slash walks going up against a pitcher like Morton when he's on the home team. When they're projected to win, he might not get the ninth inning at bat. They're probably not going to put up a whole lot of runs. Probably not going to have that many at bats. So we'll probably get four of them at most here. And in all reality, getting a hit or a walk 50% of the time going up against an elite pitcher like Morton is not likely to happen. Take the under. All right, next up, let's get to my third prop here. It's a two out of three rapid fire in the San Diego game. All right, so we have Bueller versus Quantrill here. Quantrill getting 5.5 points. I don't care. Bueller just sucks the better pitcher. In the better matchup here, Quantrill struggles greatly versus lefties. Going up against multiple that are very good, including Muncie, Bellinger, Peterson, Seager. He is not in a good spot here. Not in a good spot to succeed, and he doesn't go late to games. Bueller on the other side, going up against a very high K-rate Padres team. Only giving up 5.5 points. All he has to do is give up one less run and go one more inning, and he gets it. That's if they get the same amount of strikeouts, but that's obviously not going to happen. The run suppression's there. The more innings is there. The more strikeouts is there. You take Bueller, and you don't even think twice about it. Next up, we got Muncie going up against Smith here. It's Muncie. Muncie is one of the best players in the league here. Muncie is very, very good. Will Smith is very good, too. But Muncie is going up against an extreme split pitcher in Quantrill, and he is a lefty. He's going to take the ball out of the park here in all reality. Take Muncie, move on. Last up, Bellinger versus Peterson. Peterson has a decent shot of being pinch hit for, as he does a lot of times when they're going up against righties. Going to be batting lead up, but Bellinger is one of the best players in the league. Potentially your MVP over in the NL. He's getting the tiebreaker here, so it's not even remotely a close, close question here. You take Bellinger, you move on, you let the money roll in. All right, guys, last up, we got my fourth prop. Before I get to that, don't forget to like and subscribe over on YouTube. Let you know exactly when these videos are coming out so you can get these picks in and you can let the money roll in. Also, leave any of your favorite props or any questions you have in the comment section. But now it's time to get to our last prop of the day. It's a two out of three over under in the Dodgers game. All right, 
So we have Bueller over under 7.5 Ks. I'm taking the over. San Diego Padres, big K rate all the way around. Lefties and righties. Bueller strikes out both sides of the plate around a 29% clip, and that's including his struggles early on. It's been much higher in recent games, and he is going later into games. Has potential to go 110 pitches here. So 7.5 strikeouts is way too low for me. Next up, Quantrill over under 4.5 strikeouts. Just an average strikeout pitcher going against an average strikeout team. But Vegas currently has him pegged for minus 149 over on the odds for the over. It's ridiculous. That means 1.5 to 1 odds that he will hit the over here. I'm in agreement. 4.5 is a little bit too low of a number. I'm rolling with it. Last up, we got Jock Jams over under 1.5 total bases. Rolling with the over again. He could hit a double. He could hit a bomb, but he's going up against a righty with some extreme splits. Peterson is a lefty. Chances are good that he hits a bomb here. He's got some of the best Vegas odds of hitting a bomb. So you take the over here just in case he hits a double, two hits, bomb, whatever it is. He is probably going to hit the over. All right, guys. Thanks for watching. Hope you enjoyed the video. We'll be back again later on this week giving you some more props. Let's take all these down. Keep the hot streak going. I'm out of here. See you, kids. Hey, thanks for checking out our videos. If you want more expert advice on DraftKings, FanDuel, or any other daily fantasy sports, make sure you check out the current videos playlist.
is going on, Runners. Dean here. That's Dean 7904 if you want to get all technical on me. It is, it's not actually 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock on the East Coast. It's actually 4.59 on the East Coast. We're early. Uh, of course, that means it's 1.59 on the West Coast and 3.59 Tennessee time. Of course, we're just time with the flagship show here at Runners. It is called Runners Live. It's sponsored by Fantasy Draft. And joining me today, it's been too long. It's one Boggs light. What's going on, Boggs? Just kicking ass and taking names, Dean. Are we? Is that what we're doing? What we're doing. <laughs> Do you have a list that you can report back as far as the names? I got to circle the wagons on that one. Yes! <laughs> Anybody who had, uh, you know, five o'clock on the East Coast on the dot for circle the wagons, feel free to collect your winnings. Fox, uh, we don't have a lot of time for pleasantries. You know why? Because tonight's slate is absolutely bananas. This is the definitive, like, we live in the world of a salary cap slate where uh, all the pitchers in the world you want to pay up for Verlander, Giolito, Corbin, Burley. Uh, not Burley. Well, Mark Burley, he's not available. That's Bueller. Bueller. Uh, you know, Charlie Morton is out there. Louis Castillo, even you, Darvish. And then, of course, we have a chorus game where there's some shenanigans going down, a 13-ish uh, total, uh, you know, with some rookie make. Good luck, rookie, making your first start against uh, against the Red Sox. And he's been a disaster in AAA as well, too. But, uh, Fox, give me the screenshot as far as today's slate because it's a – it's awesome. Tricky. It's fun, right? This is a fun yeah, one. Yeah, this is definitely a uh, slate that I'm all over because there's so many different ways you can go. You don't have to necessarily worry about a, a chalk pitcher. Um, you know, not to, not that I really generally worry about ownership on, you know, big slates um, that often, but I really think today there's just so many different ways you can go about it. And it's good for tournaments, good for cash games. Um, but yeah, especially good for tournaments. So tournaments, what are you rolling out today? You MME guy, you're making like you're gonna like hand build three lineups, ten lineups. Uh what, what's the strategy? Yeah, I'm I'm focusing on DraftKings. They've got that, you know, hundred and eleven dollar tournament out there. And it's you know, it's not quite usually I'm just kind of five big boy lineups and then I'll mass manner enter the uh, the smaller ones. Um but I'm just kind of right in the middle today. Yeah, uh, I'm in there too. Well, I'm in some of uh, I'm making 20 lineups over there. Just I'm have a little have a little fun end of the season. Uh, basically, cut out cash games. You kind of talk about that pre-show. Or uh, of course, football season comes around. We'll be right back on board on cash games and uh, all around the industry. Fantasy draft as well. Where of course we talked about this as well on pre-show. Where uh, just as long as you're a member, you get your membership fee knocked out. Uh, you get no <clears throat> no uh, no rake. Uh, theoretically, if you're paying fifty dollars for the month. Yeah, you're putting fifty dollars up front, but if you're playing like ten thousand dollars throughout the month, which is an average of three dollars per person, uh, that would be fifty dollars in rake for ten k, which is uh, around the industry. That's going to cost you like twelve hundred bucks, thirteen hundred bucks, fourteen hundred bucks, depending on you know the rake that would be in the particular tournaments you're playing. And on fantasy draft, we're talking about fifty dollars. And of course, if you're not playing that much, uh, membership fees I think are as small as don't quote me, it's like five or ten bucks. They're pretty small depending on how much you play, uh, however you cut it, however you slice it you are uh, absolutely getting a huge break as far as the rake around there. And you got to be conscious of that as Boggs, you're an old timer, just like myself. Like the rake used to be lower, lower the rake. It's not like that anymore. In some places, unfortunately. Yeah. I wish they could have some program like this for freaking taxes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, So tonight's slate, let's, uh, let's dive in because it is, it's absolutely nuts uh, Boggs. And I don't really know how we separate some of these guys, you know, Verlander, what is it like seven, eight, nine straight games? It is with double digit as far as strikeouts. I think it's seven. Who's counting? Uh, he's the best, but he's the elite amongst the elite, right? He's like the best pitcher. Obviously, he's the most expensive too. 
Uh, is he our favorite pitcher if Price is not a thing? Uh, I, I think so. Yeah, for me, um, you know, obviously some of the other guys right below him have, you know, significantly better matchups. Um, so that's where I think he could get kind of lost in the shuffle today. I, I don't necessarily think he's going to be like, you know, 1% owned or something, but anytime I can get a guy like Verlander, you know, can break the slate at what I think is going to be lower than most people expect ownership. Uh, I think that's a huge opportunity for tournaments. So that's why I've got him at the top. Um, you, you think he's going to be highly owned? You you can certainly go down to the other guys in Corbin, Euler, uh, and uh, Castillo in particular. That if any of them would be chalkier, I think all those three of those guys might might garner more ownership than Verlander tonight. So yeah, I'm looking at our ownership projections right now. We always kind of say this: the closer and closer we get to lock, the more precise they get. And uh, I I I disagree with some. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned Verlander as far as his ownership projection as of right now, it's currently at 20%, which I think that's fairly accurate. I think 20% is about right. What do, you, do you agree with that? I think it's going to be lower. Really? Okay. Uh, I think, well, okay, how about this as far as just not even naming names, but I think the most popular strategy is one guy up top and one guy down low as far as pitchers. Does that sound about right for you? Yeah, I think that's probably where a lot of people will go. Uh, it depends on the, the, you know, the lineup, obviously, but, uh, you know, if you're just trying to stack up cores, it's uh, not going to be easy to get a guy like Verlander in there, but at the same time, some of these other teams that, you know, have just as much potential, in my opinion, tonight, um, it shouldn't be too prohibitive to, to do something like that and be happy with your lineup at the end of the day. Uh, no surprise, Verlander, eight and a half as far as the K-prop is the highest in the board. There is juice in the over as well, a little bit of juice, minus 118 currently. Uh, and I wouldn't feel comfortable betting the under because Verlander is striking everybody out. The Ks have been, have been more plentiful uh, post all-star break. I believe I was reading uh, Jesus musings today. I want to say it was like 43% strikeouts the second half of the, of the season so far, which is, that's just, that's bananas, right? That's insanity. Yep. And it's because he's, he, he's a bulldog, you know, he's a guy that can, get, can pitch deep into games. Yeah. He'll attack guys. Uh, that's why he, you know, part of the reason he gives up so many home runs, but mm-hmm. without guys on base, rarely gets blown up and racks up strikeouts along the way. Yeah, like, the again, speaking of cheese, he says, well, whoop-de-doo, you gave a couple homers, big deal, who really cares? Last game, nobody, he, he had a complete game, nobody got on base, just two guys hit solo jobs, uh, Detroit, and of course, that was an upset, because that was the biggest upset in baseball, I think, in our time, uh, minus 550 as far as Houston, is that, I think that was, people were talking about that being the biggest baseball upset that we've seen in the modern time that we know of as far as Vegas lines, but, you know, all we care about is fantasy points, and he pumped out a ton of fantasy points for us. Uh, as far as the elite guys at the top, when you factor in matchup uh, and you factor in upside and you factor in the price, and it's, it's a little bit cheaper than like some of the other guys we'll talk about as well. Uh, you got to go Louis Castillo, right? The matchup against the Marlins, dreadful team, great ballpark, extreme pitchers, umpire. Uh, the Marlins, not, you know, they've been terrible all season long. Now they're without their best hitter or their second best hitter, depending on how you look at it, with Anderson being out for the season. How much do you value Louis Castillo? Because I think he might be, I think he's going to be the most heavily owned amongst the top tier guys. Is that reasonable to you? I would agree with that. Uh, and for good reason. I mean, the guy's a beast. He's got arguably the, the filthiest changeup in the game. Great ballpark. Roof's closed out there in Miami. Uh, you know, what's not to like? I know he had been struggling a little bit, but there's no red flags for me. This is a great spot for him. Uh, and, you know, again, that just kind of goes to my point. I think that if people are going to pay up, if any of these pitchers in that top tier will, you know, become chalk, so to speak, 
uh, it's going to be Castillo, but still, I, I don't think his ownership's going to get way out of hand. 25, 30%? Probably along those lines. It could be more, who knows, but um, I, I ha- I'm, it's not going to scare me off him. I would guess like the higher you go up as far as entry fee, the higher his ownership might go up a little bit. So I can see that happening. Uh, and again, that Marlins lineup, it's terrible. If you fire up the plate IQ, like, you know, we have, it's color coded, like green is good. Red is bad. Every Marlin hitter, as far as ISO isolated power uh, is some shade uh, of red or pink. It's not good. There's only one guy in the green, as far as the, the Woba. And that's the last man standing, the last competent hitter, which is Garrett Cooper. Of course, he strikes out 29% of the time, which is no different than the rest of his teammates. Collectively, they strike out 27% of the time. You got uh, Alfaro in there who strikes out a ton of catcher. You got Brinson in there who strikes out with 33% of the time. There is a lot to like. They're terrible. Uh, they're not patient. Uh, and they you know, they strike out a ton. And it's a great ballpark. And you have the, the gray umpire there behind the, behind the plate as well. So uh, everything suggests, uh, if you're playing cash games, I think Castillo is a great place to start on a two-pitcher site like Vance Draft or DK as well. Uh, I skipped over Giolito, who absolutely destroyed this team his last time out. Five days ago, he dropped the old CGSO against Minnesota, not a team you really want to pick on. Giolito's got the second highest K rate on the slate. Uh, I think, as you know, from an ownership perspective, Box, I could see Giolito being, I don't know, less than 5%. Is that a ridiculous thing to say? Uh, you know, perhaps. You know, that being said, I, I, I'm not expecting a similar result, especially since it, you know, fresh on the memory of, you know, these Minnesota hitters. And it's just too difficult to match up. The wind's blowing out. Last time I checked out there, and it's a small ballpark, powerful lineup. Uh, it's, a, it's a no for me. I'm, I'm passing. Same could be said with Morton. It's more matchup-based. Um, I just don't think you need to go there. I love Charlie Morton. He, you could argue he's been, like, the most consistent pitcher all season long. Like, he's on the family feud board, if nothing else, but – you're not getting any discount for facing Houston. Uh, his win equity is it takes a hit too. If you want those four points, he's facing Berlander. Certainly they could win, but it's less likely than a guy like, you know, Corbin or, or, uh, or any of these other guys or Castillo that will kind of run off that are favorites. Uh, it just doesn't seem necessary. And maybe if the slate was different, if he was facing like two or three other studs, uh, but Morton's also a guy that's They don't let go deep. They don't let him go like eight innings or so. They don't let him throw a hundred pitches. Um, it's just, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen where he's going to beat six or seven other studs. And there's really no break as far as the price and the matchup is the worst one on the board amongst the elite. So love you, Charlie. I'll check back in five days, but uh, I hit the X button. And it sounds like you did as well. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's, you just don't want to mess uh, with Houston the way they've been swinging the bats lately. I just, I'm not seeing it. I think every, I agree with every, every point you made right there. Yeah, so we talked about the Giolito and, again, how he's going to be low-owned. And certainly in tournaments, I think he's kind of sort of somewhat interesting. How about Corbin versus the dreadful, you know, Baltimore Orioles? Uh, I guess you could say it's a negative ballpark tip. It's possibly neutral. Like that Washington ballpark is sneaky, positive for hitting. Nonetheless, they lose their DH, whoever it may or may not be. Somebody terrible, probably Chris Davis, somebody of that ilk. Uh, how much do we like Corbin? Because he's kind of, like, you know, in the middle of these other plays we like, and he's not going to grab a huge ownership. But, of course, the upside's great. Yeah, I like him, Bueller. Um, those are the, the, the guys I let right behind Castillo and Verlander. Um, I could s- certainly see they both have the potential, um, especially with Bueller, to go deep into the game. Corbin, uh, maybe not as efficient, uh, but the strikeouts are going to come. You know, it's Baltimore. They lose their DH. Um, I don't necessarily view the National Stadium as a hitter's park. Uh, it's certainly not as much as 
Camden Yards. Um, so yeah, he's pitching at home. I mean, you know, there's a lot to like uh, from him and Bueller. I just I've heard Cardi say before like Washington's like six or seven or eight or something like that, which I just surprised me as well. And maybe we have to change our perspective, or maybe Cardi's a little ambitious in the ranking. But have a good offense. <laughs> that kind of that's it. I, that's it. But they also have good pitchers. You know, they have you know Strasburg and Scherzer in there too. And I'm, you know, it, it's kind of tricky how they figure out those numbers. And you mentioned about you know Corbin in theory can run through this. He can drop a Maddox. Uh, you talk about him, like maybe he, he won't be so efficient, but this is another team that's terribly impatient. Uh, 6% as far as walks on this Baltimore side. All you have is Mancini. He's the only guy that's pacing. Everybody else is uh, quick to, to strike out or pop out or do something dreadful. Uh, and again, they have their, uh, their, you know, their DH takes a hit as well. There is some power, of course, in this lineup. You know, VR, Severino, Mancini, there is some pop. So I wouldn't be surprised if Corbin gives up a homer or so. Not really sure how much uh, we're afraid of that because – you know, uh, if you give a homer and strike out 10 dudes, who cares? You mentioned Bueller a couple times. He absolutely drops the, the hammer, a 50-burger, a 50-plus burger against the San Diego team earlier in the year, about a month ago or something like that, maybe four or five starts ago, give or take. Uh, what was it, 14 or 15K performance? Uh, I mean, I love it. I love it for tournaments. Uh, I don't know how much of it I'm going to get. I mean, I'm not going to discourage people playing him. How much are you prioritizing Bueller? Uh, you know, it's he, he's in the same boat as Corbin with me. I mean, I've pretty much written off Geely though, Morton. Um, I want I, I want to play him. I think if it's a scenario for me that if I can't get to Verlander, um, then that's when I'm going to drop down to these guys. But uh, yeah, I like him quite a bit, and I wish a few of these guys were on slate last night, which was a disaster. Yeah, or tomorrow. I haven't looked at tomorrow's slate, but I'm going to just say uh, it's going to be a bad pitching slate. Just guess it. <sighs> tomorrow? Yeah, I don't know. All the good pitchers are pitching hopefully, tonight. Hopefully we can stay hot tonight. <laughs> tomorrow off. Yeah, and this is like Mike Miner. I can't, we can't talk to him with a slate, right? We're just, he's not, he's not pitching. We're not, we're not talking to him, are we, Mike Miner? Nah, you know, Angel's getting Simmons back. He's part mm. of the reason why they're a low strikeout team to begin with, and he could be he could be fine. He could have a decent decent outing, but I'm not seeing him break the slate uh, in this matchup here tonight. You said you're playing mostly on DK tonight. It sounds like, but I'm not sure if we're playing on Fanduel or not. You are getting a meaningful discount on Patrick Corbin over there, so I would elevate Corbin on Fanduel. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, you, so you're taking a look at it as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to have some Corbin over there because uh, he's cheap enough, and you know he gets you an extra bat or two or something like that. This is the one I want to ask you about, Box. And, you know, this is your team, so try to take off the homer hat. Tell us about the Marine layer as far as what's going down, you know, for the Angels tonight. But, you know, the wonkiness of the season for Andrew Heaney, uh, up and down as far as the Ks, up and down as far as health. A dude went absolutely ballistic last time out versus Texas. Again, a repeat performance once again, just like Chilito, who crushed Minnesota five days ago. We got Haney facing this terrible Texas team versus lefties. Uh, Haney's a lefty, dropped 14 strikeouts on him last time. Yeah, I mean, was, uh, go ahead. Tell me about it. That was a little bit narrative driven, in my opinion. You know, that was the makeup game uh, that they had to make up for the, the passing of Tyler Skaggs. Uh, and obviously, he needs his best friend. So he, I think he was pitching a little bit of heavy heart that game. Not to say that, you know, taking that away from him or anything, but uh, I just, I, I'm not seeing that type of repeat performance. But I think between the two, Heaney and Minor, I, I would lean towards Heaney, especially in the fact that, you know, Texas is struggling all season on the road and they can certainly strike out in bunches. So I like Heaney over minor, but, uh, you know, I'm not 
expecting another 14 Ks from him. No, but are you expecting a good performance? You know, it, it's tough. Uh, you know, it's, I'm just kind of thinking about if I'm going to play him or not. And it's, uh, you know, if he was about, you know, maybe a thousand bucks cheaper, I'd be all over him. Um, but, you know, he's kind of in that group with Darvish, who may be a little bit safer, so to speak. Hmm. I do love the tournament upside. I'm going to play a little bit of him, but uh, I'm not going overweight by any means. Looks like Joey Votto's back tonight. Your favorite player, Boggs. you excited? <laughs> not particularly. <laughs> he's going to be choking up with two strikeouts, with two strikes. I'm sure that's going to be exciting for sure. Uh, yeah, he's batting second. He's back in the lineup. Good for him. And, yeah, so maybe, like, the pivots off the so-called Chalky Castillo. Uh, Haney's kind of sort of as somewhat interesting. And also, he's another guy who looks a little bit cheaper on Fandle that I think is more playable over there than he is on – Absolutely. Yeah, on, on DK than the fantasy draft. So that, that's probably where I'm going to play him. Uh, and then you mentioned Darvish, and it's so funny. It's amazing, Tale of Two Seasons. Like you said, he's not as safe as Darvish, which is like you told somebody, like, Darvish and safe, like, two months ago in a sentence – like the start of that sentence or the middle of that sentence would be like is not or or is far from but what is it 71 strike strikeouts and two walks two in his last nine starts that's insane that's video game numbers yeah uh he's he's always had the stuff it was in, or obviously in the beginning of the year between his ears um you know I, I hate watching him pitch to be honest with you but that's another story for a different day. We don't have time to dick around about Darvish, but that, <laughs> that being said, you know, this is a spot where I, he's not still not pitching deep into games. He doesn't have a long leash. So that's why I feel like he's maybe a little bit more better of a cash game play. I ha- really haven't made my mind up at this point, um, whether or not I think, you know, I'm going to be overweight or underweight on him. Um, it's not that best matchup in the world. Not the worst. Uh, I can see some upside here, but I mean, yeah, you mentioned those fantastic stats. He's not walking anyone, but I mean, look at I mean, you look at the game logs. Homers, you know, that great. Uh, four homers versus the Giants. Three homers versus the Reds. For what it's worth, so seven in his last you know three games. But like the walks are insane. He's not walked. The last time he walked somebody was July twenty third, uh, and that was one walk. <laughs> he said the two walks since uh, June twenty seventh crazy it's impressive yeah that's absolutely crazy but not throwing up 50 burgers that's the point i was trying to make and so i I might i might i might fade him because i think he's gonna you know him and castillo might be popular combo if you can afford it uh but i don't know i'll I'll just have to circle the wagons back on uh that ownership and see you know what what it's gonna be at because i i I wouldn't be i wouldn't be i i wouldn't be afraid to be underweight on him i don't think he's you know, going to break the slate. So uh, we'll talk about it in a second. I think from a cash game perspective, I think it's Castillo and Hauser. I think that's like what, you know, that's what sort of makes sense because that kind of opens up the bats and the arms are pretty good too. Hauser just seems mispriced uh, on both fantasy draft and on DK. And I saw someone talk about Hauser and and Fandle. And I don't think that's necessary. Like you just, it's understand where you're shopping. is very important, right? Uh, Boggs and DFS. Yeah. I mean, Hauser, see, he's got, doesn't have a long leash either, but at that price, you know, who cares? He's, he has strikeout upside. Um, you know, he's probably going to be around a hundred pitches. He's a guy that, you know, kind of like a lot of these, these uh, starters from Milwaukee, they just, they want you to go out, go out there and go all out and get it to the bullpen. So yeah, I don't necessarily love him on Fandle, especially at the price he's at. I think you could do better, but on DraftKings, it's, it's obviously price, price related. 
Yeah, he's like five, he's 5K uh, on DK, close to 10K on, on fantasy draft. And since we're here, we might as well talk about it. We'll talk about the middle in a second, which, by the way, my thought is I think the mid tier is kind of, I don't want to say gross, but it's not, it's not as appealing. That's the, if you're going to break him up, like uh, obviously not the, okay, the, the cheapies aren't necessarily appealing, but they're appealing as far as line of construction. The mid tier is kind of all, not all that interesting to me. There's a couple guys we'll talk about, but uh, for me, uh, Hauser, you know, you talk about, yeah, he, he hasn't thrown 100 pitches. Uh, he came out of the pen, obviously. He's going like five innings. We'll take five innings or so. And his ground ball rate against right righties is 67%. That's pretty good. And St. Louis, it's a pile of righties for the most part. Uh, and what do you really need out of Hauser to be satisfied? What do you want? 15 points? I think you can get there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's, I mean, if that's what you look for, I, I would expect a little bit more, but I think you can get there. Just the one thing I would caution is that, you know, this isn't the same Cardinals offense that went through like that, what, two month prolonged <laughs> slump. And they've been, sw- they're swinging the bats um, here recently. So, it, you know, it obviously is a pitcher's part, but it's not going to give me any really that big red flags. Uh, I just, you know, wanted to point that out there. Give me, give me the pivots off of Hauser because like, you know, they're, they're kind of gross, but they're there. Yeah, no, I, I'm not, I'm not messing around with any of these guys. Not in that, not, not down there. I think if you want to get up, you, you find some savings and go up to Pineda or Tanaka. Yeah. Uh, you know, I kind of sort of gave a, like Mike Leake's terrible, but nice ballpark. I, like he's a guy that could survive and put up 15 points. Uh, I mean, if you hate yourself, if you really hate yourself, you consider Drew Smiley, you know, who's facing a Pittsburgh team that is just completely dreadful versus lefties. One of the worst, you know, as far as all the key categories, they're like the worst in baseball, if not the worst in baseball. And the Marlins are still in baseball. They're right there. Um, of course, they don't strike out, which is kind of a problem. And Drew Smiley gives up almost three homers per nine, which is also an issue. Just a, a little fun fact. I don't know if it's a fun fact, but it's a fact. Uh, Smiley, uh, 18 innings this year versus lefties, right? 18 versus lefties. Do you have any homers he's going to versus lefties? No. 11. Wow. That seems like a lot, right? Yeah. I think it's too many. <laughs> he could be a guy that was, you know, he wasn't reverse splitsy. He never had a changeup or anything like that. And he would always get shelled by righties, but he used to be dominant, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but that is surprising. Yeah. I mean, you got Montgomery at like stone minimum for a pitcher, for like a starting pitcher that, like, if he's pitching okay, can throw 90 pitches. Of course, if he's not pitching okay, we might see, you know, young upstart lefty Alex Gordon pitch once again in the bullpen for the, the Royals. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't discourage it if you have a meeting. And of course, you know what you're getting into, but let's jump up to the mid tier. You kind of mentioned a couple of guys that are worth talking about. Uh, Pineda and Tanaka. Who do you want to start with? Uh, you know, either one of them. I, I'll start with Tanaka. I think it's a sneaky good matchup. I mean, obviously he's not the way he's been pitching, nothing to write home about, but we know he has some big games in there and he's in a nice ballpark, nice ballpark upgrade. Uh, a strikeout happy Mariners lineup. I think I brought in the uh, expert survey today that they've struck struck out the second most in baseball over the last month. Uh, they struggle against the split finger. That was according to Play IQ, and that's what that's uh, that's his best pitch. So I, I, I expect run support for him, and uh, he's a guy that I have interest in if I can't. You know, How much do you care about that? Because I don't talk about it a lot, and I don't dig into it too much, and I hear people discuss it. Um, and I don't know if it's something or not. And I, and the reference Cardi again, I know Cardi talks about that stuff being noisy sometimes, potentially like how many people are actually th- are throwing split fingers. How many are you actually seeing? 
you know, like how much does it matter that a team's not good collectively against the split fingers? Like, well, you know, I won't call him a, a gimmicky pitcher, but I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's a pitch that he throws a large percentage of the time. It's his best pitch, obviously. I mean, he's throwing it what like 30, 40% of the time to, especially the left-handed batters. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pitch that not like a knuckleball in my opinion, where you can either hit it or you can't, but if you can't hit it, I think it's noteworthy. Yeah, I'm just kind of sort of curious, like, what the sample is of, like, Vogelbach versus split fingers. Like, how many has he actually seen? Like, I don't know. That, that is an issue, and I think that's what, you know, was in with the, the plate IQ. But, you know, at the same time, I just – I think at that price, you know, I think he has the ability to go too deep if he's being efficient with his pitches. And really, I mean, let's face it, who, who in that lineup outside of Vogelbach really scares you? Well, it's funny because Big T was in the chat earlier. He's probably still lurking. And he said, if he knew Boggs was on, he would have tuned in even earlier. So, and he was talking yesterday in the show and he was saying how much, you know, how great Seattle's been the last month of the season or so. Um, you know, they're a hot team in theory, how much better they've been hitting. And like, I'm with you. I just, I don't, I think that team collectively stinks. And like a Tanaka, it's just his K's aren't very good. I think it's 50% since the all-star break. That's terrible. Uh, they're probably going to roll out like what four or five lefties because that's kind of like, that's just kind of the breakdown of their team these days. Um, he's an interesting mid-tier play, but I don't love it. And then there's Pineda there too. If you're going to decide between the two, do you prefer Tanaka or Pineda? I, I like them both. Again, they're both efficient pitchers. They rarely light the world on fire, but you know, if you're efficient and you're getting ahead in the count um, and you have the ability to bury a hitter with a certain pitch, uh, that could lead to upside. It's necessary, but I, I, I like Pineda just as equally as much as Tanaka tonight. Um, if you want to save $300, go down to Tanaka. I think Tanaka at least will be in better position to get a win. But at the same time, I'm pretty much not on Giolito at all. It wouldn't surprise me if Minnesota won as well. The uh, the stream apparently froze. Hopefully we power through. Devin, you're in my ears. Are we all good to go? It's just kind of like a hiccup or? All right, we're going to power on through. Hopefully it's just a little hiccup. Stick around, guys. We apologize for the technical dif- difficulties. Uh, the thing of Pineda, of course, you, you, you took out the old put IQ, and no surprise, uh, the strikeouts on this Chicago team is amazing. 26.8% collectively, yet Goings in there at 30.9%, Angle at 33%, Garcia 24%, Moncada, yeah, legit stick, 27%. Nobody box, not one person strikes out less than 20.7% versus righties this season. Uh, K rate for Pineda is not great. It's only 21.2%. That's like, I don't even know if that's league average these days. It's probably not. Um, and like you mentioned before earlier, I was looking at as well, as far as the weather, uh, Ross Weather Edge. Uh, are you aware of Ross Weather Edge? Yes. Uh, do you happen to have that in front of you? I got to pull it up in front of me because I think it's like 29% as far as an increased expectancy based upon like 80 games or so. That's off the dome though. Yeah, that's the only red flag. And that's probably why I might lean towards Tanaka. But, you know, at the same time, I'm not mistaken. You know, Pineda is not a big fly ball pitcher. Um, uh, let's see, fly balls for Pineda. A little bit above average, but I mean that strikeout rate. Uh, you know, I think I like them both, and I'm I'm going to play them both. I, I don't know if people will land there in that mid tier, but I think both of these guys, because they're efficient, uh, have the ability to put up good outing. Uh, Pineda, the season just short of 40% as far as his fly ball rate. That's not dreadful, but that's not necessarily ideal. Uh, ground ball rate, 37 and change as far as the lefties and righties. We're going to split it up. Uh, 36 and change versus lefties as far as fly balls. 
43% versus uh, righties, which doesn't surprise me because throughout his career, he's always been a little bit reverse splitsy from a power perspective. I'm not talking about six just yet, but I think a guy like Jose Abreu is kind of sort of somewhat interesting on a slate where absolutely nobody's going to play him. Uh, and you talk about playing Pineda and Tanaka. Would you play those guys together? Because I feel like that's something like people aren't doing. They yeah. want to grab one of those big boys. Yeah, absolutely. I'd play them together. I mean, it's it's it, that'd be a situation though where uh, I'm going to really want to love that lineup um, because I want, I think that the optimal strategy probably is going up top and at least getting one of those guys, but playing together gives you a lot of salary to load up on some bats. Hey, have you tinkered with the idea of uh, two big arms going double barrel? Because I've done it. and Absolutely. I I always am a fan of paying it for pitching. And it's that time of year as well, you know, where I don't think, you know, paying it for pitching as earlier in the season really hasn't really been worth it. Just from an anecdotal perspective, Um, a lot of people were getting away with it from these cheap pitchers. But this time of year, guys are stretched out. Some of these games are really important and meaningful. These guys get a little bit of extra leash and they can make you pay if you, if you, if you burn. So that's why I'm in love with Verlander tonight. I, I like the I like the upper tier. I'm going to do everything I can to pay up for pitching. You could, uh, you could double stack some barrels and get a stack of like Kansas city pretty easily. That's something I was kind of messing around with. Not that I really want to pick on fires, but I don't respect fires a ton. And of course he can yield some fly balls and some homers and you can get a couple of decent one-offs too, depending on how it makes things work. But now that I'm looking at it, I built that lineup earlier. Uh, Rojas is not in the lineup for Arizona. He was 2K on DK. Of course. I was. I made a whole, whole bunch of lineups before the show that I'm going to have to change with Sandy Leone and Same. Rojas. And... We probably been spared, to be honest. We didn't really want to play Sandy. Exactly. I mean, I don't think that kid's done anything. I don't even know why he's up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, Vasquez is obviously a much better uh, much better catcher, and but he's more expensive, which makes things kind of a little tricky. Uh, but – Lamb is in the lineup. If you if your Lamb is somebody you're on, he's batting fifth, and he's super cheap on both DK and fans draft for what it's worth. But uh, summarize the arms for me, Boggs, because uh, there's a lot to summarize. Uh, make it if you can simplify it for the people, do it. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's hard for me to say, but I'm just gonna say at least get one of these big, you know, uh, workhorse pitchers up the top. I think it can be done. There's still enough value out there around. You might have to wait for a couple lineups, but uh, you know. Some of my best lamps have, you know, stud pitchers and, you know, a couple punts that I've gotten a zero. Uh, so it, it, you don't have to, you don't have to win, but you know, if you got, if you go down and pay up for these or spend down to these cheap guys, it can really blow up and ruin your, ruin your night real quick. I, uh, I said before, I'm gonna make 20 lineups. I'm going to make one YOLO like smiley Hauser and just roster all the bats just for fun. How does that sound? Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's a loser. It. It's your money. Well, yeah, the opportunity cost at pitcher today is really high. Like, there's going to be a combination of pitchers that probably put up, like, 70. Is that is that too ambitious to say? I'm That's probably going to happen, right? So, because, again, like I said, I think the trend has been to spend down a pitcher. Um, and that's why I'm just waiting for this time of year uh, where these guys are just kind of going out there and striking out guys and racking up a huge, huge.
We're back, people. We apologize for that. Uh, blame Crane. We have no time for the silliness. It's a full slate, Crane. Do it like on a seven-gamer. Uh, nonetheless, Boggs, we're going to circle the wagons. We knocked out pitchers. It's just two different shows. One, one show for pitchers, one show for sticks. Uh, Boggs, before we break it down position by position, tell me this. Uh, give me a favorite hitter, maybe a favorite stack. Who are we focusing on tonight? Well, it's all about the Red Sox. Uh, and it's got to be Mookie Betts. I mean, he's just his style is built for a course field. You know, he hits the gap. He, those doubles turn you know, turn to triples. Uh, you know, he obviously has the power. I'm all, I'm all over Bookie today. You know, uh, you could take the wait and see approach on see on this kid Rico Garcia, but <laughs> no quantity in Mookie. So he was really good in Double A, and he was an absolute disaster in Triple A. I'm, I'm sure you dug into his numbers as well. He gave up I think more two homers per nine in Triple A. Uh, good luck, kid. Your debut in Coors Field against the Boston Red Sox. Um, you know, and that, that, that kind of speaks to the team total for Boston, which is like seven and change. We got Boston six and change. I'm sorry, uh, Colorado six and change in our side against Rick Porcello, who's not uh, an especially good pitcher either. Uh, just before we dive in, do you have another team that's kind of like uh, off the radar? Uh, under the, you know, I guess it's not off the radar, but for me, like the secondary teams, I think are Washington and Atlanta. I don't think that's too surprising. Is that kind of what you're at too? Yeah, I was thinking maybe Oakland would be a little bit more highly owned than Atlanta. Um, but yeah, I think Washington is a clear second. And then, you know, between Atlanta and uh, Oakland, that's going to round up, you know, my five lineups that are a priority. If the people out there are wondering like what me and Boggs are talking about in the three minutes we were off air, we, uh, we were talking about terrible catchers. Uh, specifically, we were talking about the likes of like Jeff Mathis and Max Stassi. <laughs> it's a fun conversation for sure. Uh, Bog, say it with me. We live in the world of a salary cap. We got to save some money somewhere. Uh, is catcher one of the places you're doing so? Yeah, unfortunately, you know, I've been rostering Jeff Mathis, Max Stassi all season long. Uh, hasn't been pretty, hasn't been fun by any means, but um, <laughs> we were talking, which one do you go with today? You know, if Mathis is in there, I, I'm actually leaning towards Mathis because he's been pinch hit. Uh, Max Stassi has you know, late in games quite frequently here, at least from what I've been watching. And I'm obviously the Angels homer, but, you know, Stassi, he, he would put together some good games when he was in Houston. But it seems like when everyone leaves Houston, uh, I just go shit. Uh, Walters and Vasquez, of course, are interesting in Coors Field. Uh, you know, Real Muto is a spend-up that's kind of ignored. I think Philly's going to be kind of ignored, generally speaking. And they, 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 that's a mistake. They have to team a stack up. They can get 10-plus for sure. Uh, don't mind Grandal, uh, Gary the Goat Sanchez. You know, I was thinking like Kikuchi versus Tanaka. Do you think there's going to make a lot of press there? Is this like a big game in Japan? Do they still care about these guys? Or I don't know. Is that is that like a, is that a big storyline for this game? Are these guys face each other? I don't think so. Okay, I don't know. Like, okay, remember it used to be, it was like a big deal when these things happened, but I don't know if they care anymore. But nonetheless, uh, how do you feel about Sanchez? If you're going to spend up on catcher, money's not a thing. Who's your favorite guy? Uh, he would. He might be it. Um, you know, I, I really don't want to spend up on catcher unless, you know, it's a Yankee stack. Uh, so I, I'm pretty much punting the position today. And I, that's why I was really hoping that, uh, Sandy Leo was getting the nod at Coors Field, but. Uh, Would you consider shuffling like a 2v2 or a 3v3 and getting some Vasquez? Is that worth it? Uh, you know, he hasn't, he doesn't really do it for me. I know he had, you know, started the season. He was hitting really well. Um, numbers aren't terrible. But I'll say this, though, and I don't, don't want to get too sidetracked. I mean, I guess it's relevant, you know, with respect to the Red Sox. Do you know if 
Ben Attendee is like available to pinch hit in this Yeah, game. that's a good question. Because uh, I wasn't expecting J.D. Martinez to get the start, not in Coors Field. I know he got a, started all those games in San Diego, but that's a pretty big field, and you know they, I'm pretty sure going to be costless. So I would just warn about that. I'm probably still going to play J.D. because obviously Ben Attendee's banged up, but it wouldn't surprise me if you know he was lifted in the later innings of that game. Um, in favor of Ben Tendi or, you know, I don't know who else they have. It could be Owings or I, I don't know. That's part of the reason why I think he's going to be forced to play if Ben Tendi can't play. Yeah, Owings is probably still on the team. Brock Holt, Owings and Brock Holt kind of switch each other sometimes. And I'm, is Travis still around or he was he sent down? I'm not sure if Travis is still lurking for like a, to pick off a guy like Moreland. But I was thinking the same thing. It might only affect like one or two plays. But if I'm a pitcher for the Boston Red Sox, I don't want J.D. Martinez uh, lumbering out there in left field or right field, all that, all that outfield and cores. And we always talk about cores as being this great hitter's park, and people just assume it's because, because of homers, and that's part of it. But the other part of it is just because the field is so massive, and you have to cover a ton of ground. And, again, I don't want J.D. Martinez out there covering that ground. That's why Houston comes in there. You know, they'll, they'll bench, uh, you know, Jordan Alvarez because Jordan Alvarez is another big lumbering guy. Uh, you know, it is an interesting thought. But all the other part of that, of course, is that J.D. Martinez bangs out a homer and first yeah. at bat. Who cares? Exactly. So that's <laughs> part of the reason I'm playing him. But I was, again, I, if Ben Attendee was healthy, though, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't even crack the lineup. But you know. He was questionable. So I think it was like something that, like, he's on the fringe of going back, at least from what I read or what, what, what was suggested. Uh, all right, jump to first. I don't love first, by the way. For a full slate, I don't think first base is, like, fully stacked. Uh, back to Fandle, if you're playing over there, Matt Adams is just egregiously priced. Like he's your quote unquote cash game first baseman over there. It just doesn't make any sense. I think he's 2.8K. Uh, the right price on fantasy draft, the right price on DK. Uh, I'm still playing Hoskins begrudgingly. Uh, I'm okay with Murphy. Moreland, of course. Uh, again, if Travis is still lurking and a lefty comes in, there's a chance Moreland gets the hook. But collectively, I don't love this uh, first base. Freeman's my favorite tournament guy. I'll just say that. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's, it's okay. Now we're at shortstop's going to be a priority, obviously outfield. Um, you know, it's not to say that there aren't solid options at first base. There obviously are, but I'm pretty much in agreement with you. There's not one guy outside of a Freeman, perhaps Bellinger, uh, if you want to count him as a first baseman, that uh, really stands out as a must play for me. What do you call them, the Dodgers? How do you how do you pronounce that? The, 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 you make fun of the Dodgers all the time. You're, you're not a, you're not a Dodgers fan, right? The Doyers. Doyers, the Doyers, yes. <laughs> I don't know what, what's the uh, the, the orange one. Okay, I don't want to know. I'll ask you off air. That's what we should have talked about instead of Max Dassey. Uh, but the the Dodgers are going to go heavily unowned, and Cal Quantrill, son of Paul, or like the he's like his cousin or something like that, uncle. I don't know. Nonetheless, uh, pretty dramatic splits, and I think the Dodgers are going to just get lost in the slate. They have a team total of four and a half, not particularly appealing, but Quantrill struggles heavily versus lefties. Uh, are you laughing at the? Yeah, nonetheless, uh, let, let's move on from first base. You can play Jake Lamb there, too, or super cheap as well. He's kind of stinks. Like, he's a guy that once was good, and maybe he's bad. Maybe he hasn't fully recovered from all his injuries, and he's at a terrible ballpark. Do you have an official Jake Lamb take? It's just he's keep enough to consider? I don't know. It's a bummer. I, I was a big fan of him. Um, but ever since the, the time of trade, Goldschmidt, I've been off him. Yeah, uh, I don't know what the story is with him. And he also gets the hook, too. If a lefty comes in, he might he might get yanked out of the game, which is somewhat concerning. But he is really really cheap. But I again, I don't love first, and I'm okay playing up first, and I'm also okay playing Ryan O'Hearn. Like I'm okay doing that. 
he has the ability to hit homers. It was confirmed on Sunday. He double-donged. Uh, let's jump to uh, your position, Boggs, the keystone position, second base. How are we handling second? Uh, you know, obviously, catcher, first base, second aren't, aren't priorities for me uh, with respect to the Red Sox. But um, I think if you wanted to circle the wagons back, uh, I like uh, McMahon for, for the Rockies. Uh, it's, it's a game I'm expecting a lot of runs. I mean, Porcello is – is going to struggle in this ballpark. It's not that, you know, no pitcher is ideal for course, but uh, especially the way he pitches just goes out there and pounds the strike zone. Um, he's a guy I like a lot. It's interesting to me. Um, Glebar Torres, uh, I like him quite a bit. Um, but, yeah, this is a position you, you can I, you can certainly spend up for. Uh, I like Pinder as a kind of a value play, I like Oakland in general. Um, and then, you know, there are some punt options. I'm so, did you say, what do you do with Brock Holt? He's terrible. Like, does it matter what ballpark? He's terrible no matter where he's playing. And he also is a pretty heavily, uh, you know, candidate to get pinch hit for as well. Is, is he in that Boston stack or he's not even cheap? I mean, he is batting six. I thought he was batting eighth. Um, he'd be more of a one-off for me, more than likely. Um, it, it really depends. I, I haven't seen his price over on Vandal, but on uh on DraftKings it's not egregious you know I just I'm I'm pretty much with you though that he's not a guy that I ever make a priority you could certainly use him as a one-off but I'm not expecting him to you know outscore Mookie Betts I'm always a sucker for Merrifield potential jack in a bag and he's like he's fairly cheap leading off there against fires a guy that gives up fly balls um don't mind him Albies is probably my favorite dollar for dollar play at second base again I like the Braves a good bit. Uh, again, uh, I'm with you on Pinder. I think he's a pretty reasonable punt. Biggio, I don't really like the pick on Soroka because the guy doesn't give up fly balls, uh, you know, but I think he's cheap enough to consider and that Atlanta bullpen's not very good and Soroka probably doesn't go nine. So I have no issue with him either. Let's move on. Hot corner, third base. This is where it gets really tasty. Uh, Devers, Arenado, Rendon, Dongleson, revenge game. Eugenio Suarez is an interesting a, a play where nobody's going to play him. The lefty against Caleb Smith who, like, yeah, he's a good strikeout pitcher, but the Ks are down. And when he's not giving him Ks, he's getting hit hard and giving up homers. I know he's protected to some degree by that ballpark. and looking at a split for the season as far as home runs. But uh, like Suarez a good bit, and we also talked about yesterday, the Marlins bullpen, pretty terrible uh, in chaos, but this probably not go all nine. And we got Big T in the chat talking about Azdrubal Cabrera. That's his boy. Um, where are you at a third? There's so many good plays here. Yeah, you can't go wrong. Uh, <laughs> you know, Chapman, I don't think you mentioned him. Uh, yeah. it, you know, as part of all of my favorite stacks tonight, um, Devers is obviously my favorite, but um, it's because what he's been, he's been tearing the cover off the ball. But yeah, you can't go wrong. Got nothing to add. Sorry. <laughs> the first one you want to get out there is Devers, all right? Yeah. Uh, we got Mango in the chat trying to bait you, by the way. He wants to – Mango doesn't even drink, and he's saying – every single time he's saying circle the wagons, he's drinking. But he's not – if he's drinking anything, like we, we saw about a month ago or so, he tried to uh, drink a Red Bull really fast, and it was a disaster. It didn't go well. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm sure. Something tells me, Boggs, you've uh, shotgunned a beer or two in your time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever taken Grant on? What's that? Have you ever taken on Grant? He's the reigning champion. <laughs> I'm sure I've tried it. it. It's I'm not that good of a chugger, um, but I, I, I can hold my weight with him for just going beer for beer. 
Yeah, he's a sprinter. You're you're a long man. You're, you'll you'll do the marathon. Yeah, there you go. Uh, let's jump to shortstop. What do you have for me? I got nothing other than you know the stacks that I'm interested in. So it's it's going to be Bogarts. No, no red flags with regard to him. Um, obviously, Semyon is is another option if you can't afford that. I think that Oakland's probably my you know reasonably favorite, reasonably priced stack today for obvious reasons. But yeah, there's uh there's there's, there's a lot of guys you could like at shortstop. But yeah, Semyon again. I mentioned Glaber Torres is a you know, you could use him as a one-off. Um, you could use him as part of a Yankee stack. Um, and if you're looking for value, I don't hate Simmons at that price tag on DraftKings. It's, uh, it's you could do a lot worse than that. Um, but then also, you can also punt. Yeah, uh, Lindor against Turnbull, I don't mind leading off. That lineup takes us out of a, a bit of a hit there with no... Uh, Jose Ramirez is going to be out for possibly the regular, rest of the regular season, maybe available for the playoffs. Doesn't look very good, at least for the foreseeable future. We will not be seeing him. Uh, Plutko does give up some homers, gives up some power. So you talk about potential, uh, you know, punts. I don't hate Ronnie Rodriguez there. I don't know much about Will Willie Castro. Who I don't know who that is. Uh, I got to figure out who that person is after the show. Are you aware of this guy's existence? Nope. Doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> He's batting second for Detroit. I mean, I'm, nah, not gonna... I'm just messing with you. And you're talking about that Oakland stack. Uh, I, I, I did the same thing. I go, who's Seth Brown? That sounds like, a, I mean, if ever there's a creative player name, like, hold on a second, <laughs> Seth Brown, who's this guy? How did he get in the, uh, he's a person. Uh, and he, he's, he has uh, 37 homers in the minors this year, for what it's worth. He's not young. He's like 27, 20. He's no longer 19. He's like 27-ish. Um, but like, you know, I don't know. Is he somebody you consider in your Oakland stack? Sounds like you're on Oakland's. Uh, not, not particularly. I'm not playing Seth Brown. Yeah. Um, anything else that's worth it, though, to as far as shortstop? Scale of 1 to 10, how interested are we in Trey Turner? Because I like him, too. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I liked Washington. It's going to be part of my stacks there. Um, you know, I think, you know, obviously Bogarts would probably be the top option. And don't sleep on story. We didn't even mention Arenado. I don't think at third base. Um, so there's a lot of potential. But same, same with pretty much third base. It's, it's really going to kind of correlate with the stack I'm going with. And All right. Good. Uh, it's a premium position. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize, but you're not going to believe it, Boggs. We're actually a little bit behind on time, so trying to catch up a little bit. Uh, as far as outfield, we'll talk about the outfield. We'll get some stacks from you. Uh, we'll, we'll, I want you to predict three homers, then we'll talk to the chat as far as uh, getting some of their uh, their QQs. Of course, we'll talk about the Rotogrinders chat, but you guys are still watching us on YouTube after that little break. I'm, hopefully, you guys stuck with us. Uh, feel free to uh, like and subscribe over there. Ask some questions. Devin, fabulous multitasking producer. He's going to go ahead and pull, uh, pull your question from uh, from YouTube and uh, throw it here in the Rotor Gunners chat. We would appreciate that. And obviously, if you guys aren't aware, football season around the corner. Uh, we're going to have a ton of football shows, too. I'm not sure if the schedule or the content's come out just yet. It's been released in a public, but a lot going down. Boggs, I assume you're partaking as far as football? Absolutely. All right, good. That would have been awkward. It's like, no, they, they don't want me. <laughs> this is my last day here. <laughs> good thing that's not the case. Uh, you told me you like bets. Everybody likes bets tonight. Uh, Judge is still kind of priced down. You know, Blackburn on the other side against, uh, against uh, you know, Porcello we're not afraid of. You get an underpriced, you know, Chris Davis, Rojas still in there. I love Acuna for tournaments. Again, keeping with the theme as far as liking the Braves on my side. Uh, I think Soler is too cheap for his power potential. Uh, you know, the fires his fly balls. And, you know, Soler has, what, 35 homers at this point. Love him. Uh, that is probably going to be lost in the slate. G- give me some outfielders because there's a lot to pick from. 
Yeah, it's, it starts with bats for me. I think he's going to hit for the cycle tonight. That's Whoa, my... dude, really? Are you, <laughs> are you trying to tilt me? Is that what's going on? It's going to happen. Oh, that would be amazing, though, right? Yeah. It's it's a skill. Either that or, you know, he might not stop at second. Um, <laughs> I don't need to, but uh, that's, that's, that's just, uh, that's pretty much my hot take of the, of the day. I think that's it for the cycle. All right. Well, fair enough. Um, <laughs> I like Juan, I like Juan Soto. Yeah, sure. For obvious reasons. Um, there's not really one guy in particular that stands out. Um, you know, it's, it's, are they going to fit as a part of my stack? And then, you know, guys like Chris Davis, Chris Davis probably might be highly owned. Um, and you, you could pivot off him to, to Grisham who's getting a start. Uh, should have been in the lineup yesterday, but that's neither here nor there. He's going to be heavily on too, though, right? Because people have been waiting like all week for Grisham to lead off. And and hell, you could even pivot off Davis to, to Pender. Mm-hmm. So there's options. There's ways to differentiate. Um, I was actually hoping Davis would would be in that sixth spot, uh, and Pender would be fifth. Um, but I, I, now I think for sure it would be interesting to see the ownership between the two if if they were flipped just one spot in the lineup. But. We're going to pull up the lineup HQ in a second. We're going to take a peek as far as our ownership. We'll see if there's anything going down as far as uh, umpire data sprinkling through. And, you know, as the day goes down, you know, as new lineups come out, like they add new and new names to the database. And uh, a name that just got added to the database, I don't know where he's playing. Uh, there's a, a Mauricio Dubon. Who is that? Should I know who that is? Is he on the Giants? He might be. Is he playing for the baseball for the Giants tonight? I'm going to hit the refresh button. Maybe he's in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Again, it's this time of year, you know, especially when the September call-ups kick in. Uh, he's not playing for the Giants. Maybe he's, he's like a middle reliever or something. I don't know who he is. I'm sure he's fantastic. By the way, you know who's nobody, who nobody's going to play tonight is your boy, Mike Trout. Is there a Trout missile going down tonight? It certainly could happen. I mean, you know, Mike Meyer doesn't scare me by any means. He's not a pitcher I like to really go out of my way to stack against. But, yeah, Trout is the only uh, hitter me into the to – the, uh, old marine layer there it is i i love him as a one-off and like you know we talk about the the prices on dk and and fans draft tend to parallel sometimes but the you know sometimes a little more sometimes a little less trout is five two on dk and he's nine six on fans draft that's 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 just wrong right that's that's, that's a little egregious that's insulting to the best hitter in baseball of all time uh Boggs, we're gonna we're gonna fire up the uh, the old lineup hq uh qq's are gonna line up here in the uh, in the chat as well feel free to play along at home here with me uh, refresh the lineup HQ. Maybe we have some new ownership data that kind of, you know, changed based upon uh, more recent news. We're still seeing Castillo at the top, then Darvis, then Verlander, then Hauser. Uh, I happen to think Hauser is going to be more than 19% as far as the ownership. I think you agree as well. Yes. Give me, give me a bold prediction here, uh, Boggs. Like, say one of these guys is going to go over or under case, like eight and a half for Verlander, eight and a half for, for Bueller, Castillo at seven and a half. Who's going who's gonna to smash their number? Uh, I think Verlander. Yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't he? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm just firing up uh, Cheese's core plays. Cheese is good. His core plays a pitcher right now, Verlander, Castillo, and Hauser. And that's just kind of a – that's basically our conversation. As far as the hitters, his core plays, you're not going to believe it, Box. I hope you're sitting down. He likes Mookie Betts, Judge. Oh, Kipnis, that's an interesting one, as well as Trent Grisham. How about that? That's right. It uh, looks looks good. Let's jump back. I want to see what we have as far as the umpire data because there are some new series starting and new umpire stuff coming through. 
some extremes for you. We got extreme hitters umpire for Tanaka, for Mikolos, for Hauser. Well, a little bit concerning. Uh, extreme pitchers umpire for Luis Castillo and Caleb Smith. Uh, anything interesting there? Do you care? I know you care about umpires. Do you care about umpire data? No, man. <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> Either you're good or you're not. Um, all right. We're going to knock out some questions here, Boggs. Before we do that, uh, I want a couple stacks you like tonight. Give me one off the board. Do not, don't, don't stay too chalky for me. And then give me some th- uh, three homers as ambitious as you want to be. All right, I tried it. I tried. I thought Atlanta is the one that was kind of sneaky. Well, if I like them, that means they can't be too sneaky. Because I'm I'm chalk-tastic. I try not to be, but I can't help it sometimes. All right. Give me a – We're like a three-off or a two-off, not a full stack necessarily. Maybe like three guys you like on a team, two guys you like on a team. I don't know, man. It's All right, we can move on. Give me three homers. The Dodgers, how about that? There you go. I like that. Who's homering? Betts, McMahon, and Pinder. Uh, what do you think of the idea of rolling? We talk about double aces, double studs, double barrel, uh, and stacking Detroit. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's not the worst idea, but uh, at the same time, you know, I, I just don't really see that, you know, coming, you know, paying off. It, it's just Detroit's that bad. I would rather play Plutko um, than, than you know, roster some of these scrubs on, on, on the Tigers. Who's your favorite team to double barrel with, like as far as a stack? Have, have you figured that out? Or you'll uh, figure I it out Oakland, later? I think you mentioned Kansas City. That was pretty easy to do. I'd rather do it with that. I mean, sure, you don't have to play the, the top most expensive guys, but, you know, you could get Verlander, Castillo with a couple punts and put together a quality stack. All right, can you handle a twofer? We got a twofer for you, Story and Matt Joyce, who's drawing the start up there in Toronto versus Matt Adams and Bogarts. Uh, that one for me is pretty easy. It's going to be uh, Bogarts and Adams. Olsen versus Grandal. That's probably a utility question. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not afraid to play Olsen against the lefty. Uh, I know his numbers aren't as good, obviously, and gets right, but if I'm not mistaken, Montgomery has a, not reverse splits. He's been awful to both sides of the plate, but um, has struggled striking out lefties. So that's a could bode well for for a guy with men's power like Olson. Uh, they asked me if I won my bet yesterday. No, well, I, I won one bet yesterday versus Big T. I bet the the Reds versus the Marlins, but I bet I lost the over on Sonny Gray strikeouts because he walked like five dudes. And what are you gonna do? But uh, I lost some American dollars to Big T. What what else is new? Big T rolling in the money. Uh, question here, I'm between prioritizing a Nats stack and going with two big arms and cheaper stack. Which do you prefer? Like, uh, I mean, it sounds like the Nats are certainly interesting. How, how do you feel about that as far as that uh, fork in the road? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the best players are expensive. At times, um, I'm, I'm the guy that would leave off Adam Eaton, especially when he's priced like this. He's been crushing the ball. Um, so it makes it a little bit more difficult for me. Um, but yeah, Robles, Young Gomes, they don't really do it for me. But at the same time, the Orioles are you know, egregiously bad team, <laughs> uh, especially that pitching staff. So it would be surprised me if one of those guys got a hold of it. But I like the stack because, you know, they're best players really in that top five, uh, six with Adams. Um, and that's what I'm rolling with tonight with the Nats. 
Yeah, I might play Robus before I play Eaton, just kind of like what you're talking about. He's been he's been on fire. Yeah, I know, but like, yeah, I suppose. And that Baltimore team, like you said, Brooks is terrible. The, the arms waiting behind him are pretty dreadful as well. And the, this kind of speaks to that conversation, by the way. Pick one of these dudes for cash. Uh, you got Turner, Soto, so two nationals. You can only get one of these guys, Turner, Soto, Xander, you know, highest team total in cores, or Judge. That's tough. That's probably, really tough. Probably go Soto. Uh, I probably go Xander, but I'm not saying you're wrong. I don't know if there's anything. There's a way to be wrong there. Uh, they're out there. Okay, so pick two of these guys for cash. This makes it easier. Uh, these are Oakland dudes. At least uh, a couple are Pinder, Chris Davis, Joyce, and Grisham. Pick two for cash. Yeah, I'm gonna lean uh, Grisham and Chris Davis. I don't really like playing Chris Davis. I don't like recommending him for cash games. Um, he's a tournament player, but he's going to be highly, more highly owned than Pinder. And I think that Pinder's an interesting pivot off the both of them. Uh, any interest in the Cincinnati stack? I think you can play Aquino. I think you can play Suarez, but as a whole, no for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, any concern about the Braves that they're a long travel? Uh, long distance? That, no, I have no concern of that. Do you have concern for that? Long distance travel. I, <laughs> they were, would, would you be asking that question? Actually, oddly enough, took a flight to Atlanta from or from to Toronto for that DraftKings final from Atlanta. Was that for the hockey final? To the hour, it's like two hour flight. Yeah, yeah. Atlanta to Toronto is two hours. Yeah, I got the flight for six bucks. <laughs> There's a whole other podcast yeah. for that. A uh, couple more before you step aside and get out of here, and make way for crunch time. Uh, last we saw, not a lot going on weather-wise. If something out there is lurking, of course, Roth will be all over it. Uh, Molina versus Fagley pick one of these terrible catchers. Well, not terrible. Middle of the road. Uh, uh, Fagley. Uh, Chris Davis, Oakland Davis, Endeavors versus Joyce and Xander. Give me the first pairing. Yeah. You get Devers. I think it's the best play out of that crew. Uh, thoughts on Darvish for GPP? On Fandle specifically. Yeah, I mean, look, the way he's been pitching, he's better suited, you know, been more efficient. Uh, so I like him a little bit better on DraftKings than I do on Fandle. Uh, I think Corbin is the guy. If he can't get there, I have no problem playing him. I agree. I'd rather play uh, Darvish on TK because they don't hit, you know, he, I want him playing on a site that hits you for walks because he's not hitting pay for walks and other guys are. And he's no guarantee to go six, like you say. He's had some efficiency issues as far as uh, sticking around and even throwing like 95 pitches. Boggs, give me a final thought as far as uh, – let's circle the wagons as far as this podcast. Uh, final thought, finish strong. Uh, just pay up for pitcher as much as you can. He's Boggs. I'm Dean. Stay tuned for Crunch Time. Enjoy your baseball tonight. We're out of here. Oh!